Hey folks, your good pal Polly here. Just dropping a little note that the podcast is going to be segmented into two parts. During the recording of the first part, which you are going to be hearing, we experienced a lot of technical difficulties with Skype just not playing friendly with us at all. So we felt that rather than sacrifice the quality of the entire podcast, it would be easier for us to come back and record the second portion of our podcast, which is going to be about roguelikes uh, another night and present that as episode 3.2. So, warts and all, here you are. This is the SoxCast episode 3.1. Studio D7 in the prestigious SMPS.net towers located in beautiful downtown Polyland. It's the SoxCast episode 3, and I am your aged like a fine wine host, Polly, and to my immediate virtual right is SoxMakePeopleSexy.net's very own double-dealing character. It's Rhett. Hi. How you doing, Rhett? I'm doing good. That's good. I like That's the good. Toho reference in my title. So... I'm going to stop with you for a second. I will introduce our two other friends momentarily, but I've got a little something to go over with with you. Oh, shit. What is this? <laughs> now, I know that we've agreed that this would be your department, uh, but uh-huh. I, got, I got an email this week in my personal email inbox, and it's, uh, it's got some stuff directed to you that I kind of wanted to go over. So this, <laughs> this, this email goes... Hey, Polly, long-time listener, or long-time reader of the site, and I'm glad you finally have a podcast for me to listen to. You guys are really interesting and fun to listen to, and I can't wait for the next episode. Hooray! Thank you very much. <clears throat> this next part pertains directly to you. By the way, can you tell Rhett he has the sexiest voice? <laughs> have him talk more, winky face. So... Uh, this this put a little idea into my head that I think that you should be the socks cast sex symbol. Sure. All right. I'm I, di- I didn't even have to put it to a vote. And um, the the last order of business is I want you to in your sexiest voice say good night to your sweetie pie. Oh no way! Come on. Nope. Come you on. You can do it. We nope. believe in you. Nope. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and, to your, and to your left, it's John. <laughs> and to my immediate virtual left, he's better with just a bit of butter. It's John Thayer. Hi. How you doing, John Thayer? Really well, thank you. You're doing really well? That's good. Mm-hmm. And hey, guess what? For the second episode in a row, we've got a guest. Who is it? This guest is very important because, as it turns out, he is the person that actually wrote all of Billy Corgan's lyrics in the 90s. It's Momi. Apparently I did that. Yes. <laughs> How you doing? I know now. How you doing, Momi? Good. Waiting for those royalty checks. So, <clears throat> so who are you and what do you do? Uh, I'm, I'm a dog and I play video games and I design video games. That's that's a good thing to be. Uh, so, why don't you get us started out here and tell us a little bit about what you've been up to? 
let's see. I've been playing receiver a lot, uh, even though it's kind of really hard. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see. I recently did a run-through of Dead Rising 2. Whoa, 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 a lot whoa, whoa, whoa. of fun. <laughs> slow it down. Slow yeah. it down. Slow oh. it down, soldier. <laughs> let's talk about receiver for a moment. What's, what is what is it with guests and wanting to rush through this yeah. process? It's like, let's get this shit over with. We got four hours to fill. Come on. So um, I think we're going to up it to five this week, right? <laughs> I know that Rhett uh, played receiver as well, so... Uh, I got gifted a copy. So, I haven't touched it yet. So, Momi, like, like, what is receiver? Basically a gun simulator. It's a, best. a gun simulator. Yeah. It has lots of mechanics for guns and it has a sort of roguelike elements tacked onto it i see it's really fun but really huh. hard it's yes it's very hard it's like the hardest game i've ever played yeah. oh wow huh like is I mean, that is that an exaggeration it's like yeah it's it's kind of like slender the eight pages where the goal i guess in slender the goal is to get eight pages so uh Receiver drops you into this randomly generated world, and your goal is to get 11 cassette tapes. And they're just totally randomly sp- spread out. And Not just I, get, but listen to completely. Yeah, and you have to listen to them when you get them as well, so there's like a time element. Oh, wow, so like time doesn't stop when you listen to the cassettes? No, they just start playing over the game, so oh. you can just stand in one place if you're safe, though. But my record is like four. And oh, that's wow. gone like two. Oh, yeah. wow. And that's usually because some, I've had a run where they're like two directly next to each other, like in the same pile. Yeah. And then one in the next room. So the game is incredibly difficult because you just you die in one hit. Like oh. anything. Well, hmm? I don't think one hit because I've taken like the turret bullets a bit. Really? Yeah. I have never been able to take a turret bullet and walk away. Yeah. Although sometimes I take a turret bullet and then step over a bit and then die. Yeah. A second later. I've definitely noticed that where there's a momentary the, collapse. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, the, so like the real hook of this game is the gun mechanics. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, basically, there's so far I've seen three guns: a revolver, a high caliber pistol, and a small caliber uh, auto rifle or auto pistol thing that you can't switch to sort of single fire uh but like you have to cock it cock the gun make sure there's a bullet in the chamber uh and also have bullets in the clip you can take out the clip put bullets in the clip and then put the clip back in uh i like the revolver the best though i think it's easier because you don't have the clips the revolver is definitely the easiest to manage. So it does, like, realistic reloading where you have to, like, empty a magazine and... Well, you don't have to, actually. You can take it out halfway through and put more bullets in. Ah. Uh. Huh. That actually sounds really interesting. Yeah, I don't know much about guns, but it does seem like it gives you any option you could possibly want, like, loading a bullet into the chamber and then ejecting the magazine and then the bullet is still in there. If you want, cool. so, so it's not like it's not like modern shooters where it is, you know no. you reload and all of a sudden you know you've just got another full clip with no you know real problems there. Yeah, mo- yeah. modern games, you fire one bullet, throw the clip out, and then your ammo count goes down one. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're throwing away and, the clip. Uh, you have to actually holster the gun before you can fill up the clip with bullets. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, so wow. <laughs> so the controls are really interesting because it's like. 
you press E to most of the time with the guns, not the revolver, but with the guns, like it's E to eject the magazine, and then tilde, I think, holsters yeah, the gun. To holster, and then, and then C to put into bull in bullets. Yeah. And then to tilde again to unholster it, <laughs> and then C to put in the clip. Yeah. Is it first so person? Yes, it's yeah. a first-person game. Okay. And then what if I, there isn't a bullet in the chamber, you have to hit R to pull back the slide. Yeah. Oh yeah, my all the guns. God. It's, this is super involved. Yeah. I'm getting, like I'm get, That's bonkers. That I'm, getting, cool. I'm getting stressed just listening to you talk about it. And like, it's you, not that bad. There's a little tutorial you can bring up that'll highlight like major problems, like yeah. if you need to release the safety or something. Oh, there's a safety? On yeah, some of the guns, like the I don't know caliber, So it really is like gun, gun simulator. Yeah, and the low caliber has the single fire to auto fire. I see. I see. The thing I think is funniest though is that it's E to eject the magazine, and then Z to put bullets in the magazine, but then Z to put it back in. So like Z is your insert button. But what happens if you press E again is you just straight up drop the magazine on the ground. Yeah, I've done so that what, a lot. See, that's what's really interesting to me is where they've designed the controls in such a way where if you're trying to rush it and not thinking, you'll actually drop the magazine. And that, and that really, really – cool. and, and that, it's, it feels so realistic when that happens. You're like, oh, fuck, I hit the wrong thing. Yeah, like if you were in a stressful situation and trying to reload really fast, dropping a magazine is something yeah. that would actually happen. So I'm kind of bummed that I missed uh, the, the free deal on that because it's definitely yeah. something I, I definitely want to check out at some point. So here's my problem with the game. It's super interesting. Like, you've got this awesome gun mechanic and the goal of trying to get through these levels and collect eight, eleven, whatever tapes. Uh-huh. But, like, this game is, like, barely a demo when you really look at how much content is in there. It's like, there's two enemy types, and that's it. So there's a lot of mm. randomized rooms, but it's kind of samey in the fact that it's always just two different enemies. There's turrets, and then there's drones. And even the rooms are mostly the same. It's usually a you know set of stairs or a sort of warehouse building with yeah. a. Uh, so kind of like uh, the kind of like the super hot demo that got uh, passed around sometime last year. I think mm-hmm. that was I really mean, fun. I, I think you can play this for longer than that because it is kind of the randomized roguelike where you'll just die and then start over, and the next game will play differently. But like. I'm so frustrated by this because it's like, this is the best thing I've played in a while, and it's a game with two enemy types. And it's yeah. just like, there is so much that they could flesh out with this, and I hope they do come back to it eventually. And uh, another thing is, uh, if to sprint, you have to constantly hit the W key. You can't just, like, hold shift. Oh, oh. you can sprint? I didn't even know yeah. that. Oh, yeah, wow. you tap the W key, you sprint. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. I thought you could double tap it, but... You, ha- no. you say you have, you have to, to constantly keep hitting tap it. Really? Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> so. What was that old? What was that game that um where you walk around in the randomly generated like uh, underground lab with like the statue that goes away that breaks your neck when you blink? That's a um, that, yeah. It sounds like the Doctor Who thing, but there's a really there's a card game that kind of sounds like what you're talking about with the very little content kind of stretched out that I thought was really interesting. I'm looking for it now online. I can't figure out what the name was. <laughs> the other thing in receiver that's really neat is that the enemies are So there's only two enemies. There's these turrets that spin around in a circle looking for you, kind of like the turrets in uh portal portal. Yeah. Except 360 degrees. 
And then drones, kind of like the man hacks in Half-Life 2. But the thing with these is that they're trying to be kind of mechanically accurate, where depending where you shoot these robots, they'll do different things. Like, if you shoot them in the batteries, they just go dead and that's it. And, like, you can actually shoot, like, the gun chamber on the turrets and they won't be able to shoot anymore. Or you can, like, shoot out the camera. It's just... There's a lot of depth that's in really areas. It's really neat. Wow. Definitely it, bummed that I missed it now. Definitely. It's such an interesting experiment. I hope they come back yeah, to it. Yeah, I'm really point. excited to play it. Oh, and it was SCP Containment Breach. Oh, okay. Never heard of that. It's one of those games. <laughs> gotcha. The drones are so annoying in Receiver, oh, though. Because the are the worst. Like, you'll shoot them and the bullet will just hit a... A spot that doesn't disable them, and they'll just fly up and shoot you and kill you. Oh no! And because it takes so long to reload and figure out how to reload, that sounds oh, you, super stressful. If they're coming after you, you're not reloading; you're just dying. <laughs> That's fantastic. Cool. But one of the early runs I had was with the revolver, where I was just cruising through, blasting away the turrets. I'm just like one bullet, two bullet, three bullets, like counting my bullets. Like, okay, time to reload. And then you have to like open up the revolver and shake out the empty casings, then put the yeah. new bullets in. I'm just like, I'm Revolver Ocelot. <laughs> That's so cool. If only there was a twirl button. I think there is. I <gasps> I swear to God, I think there's a button to twirl the chamber. Could finally relive those, those I Ocelot. You can twirl the chamber, but not the actual gun. Oh, you can spin oh, yeah. the chamber. You can yeah, spin the so chamber for whatever cool. reason. Like, why would you, you ever play, do that? Uh, it's like Code Mission Russian Roulette, just with yeah, like you do spinning the chamber with one bullet in it. <laughs> It's freaking awesome. It's so cool. (laughs) Yeah, the game definitely tricks you up the first time you play it because when you load, the the guns are, like, in a random state. So, like, the revolver, just because you start with a revolver doesn't mean it has six bullets in there. So, like, almost always I'll open it up and there'll be three bullets in there in random spots. The first thing you do is getting your gun ready. That's fantastic. So I remember when I first played it i didn't realize that so i just put the gun up and i fire one bullet and then i fire another and it click i'm like what the what (laughs) (laughs) my god this game is devious and i want all of it (laughs) i want more of it so so that's receiver what else have you played mommy badass uh dead rising 2 have not had much experience with the dead rising series dead rising 2 is a lot of fun oh cool Yeah, that series always looked super interesting to me because of the timer stuff and just kind of being like that uh, Dragon Quartery, uh, Prince of Persia vibe. Yeah, and it's got like crazy variety in terms of weapons and things like that. Is that the one that has the the like weapons. you can bolt your weapons together and create custom yeah. things? Yeah, that That's always looked, that always looked super badass to me. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'm- May try and uh, speed run it. Can, can that game be finished cool. in like one cycle, or do you have to actually? Or, or because I know that like I've heard that you can't really beat the game on one. Uh, what is it? Seventy two hours. I have. Oh, because I've I, like this, that's one. been a, that's been a common complaint that I've heard about those games is that they can't be beaten in one cycle. I did it. So well, okay. I guess I'm wrong. <laughs> And everybody uh, else was a bit hard to figure out how to do it, but it, once I figured it out, it was kind of easy. Ah, cool. good stuff. Good stuff. Um, 
Hmm. Yeah, I haven't played any of the Dead Rising yeah. games, so I can't really chime in. <laughs> Up to anything else, then? Uh, October Amnesia stream. Oh, oh give us an idea. Oh, what, what are you doing there? Playing through Amnesia the Dark Descent. Oh, God. <laughs> Via a stream. Yeah. Um, it, won't, it won't be bad. I played uh, Silent Hills PT. I'll be fine. You're not going to PewDiePie <laughs> us, are you? Yeah, no. Yeah, just scream really loud. <laughs> Don't even don't even acknowledge the game. Just scream obscenities uh, as loud as you possibly can, and suddenly you will be partnered. Yep. So you can, have you not played Amnesia before? No, I have. Oh, okay. It's okay. just giving himself a hearty plug. <laughs> hearty plug. What's your you your uh, where do you stream at? Uh, Hitbox. Hitbox TV slash. Mommy, mommy, G, I think. All right. Uh, have you been up to anything else? Nope. So, I guess then we can move on to good old Rhett. How you doing, Rhett? Oh, I thought we were going to go to John next. <laughs> I'm doing good. Are yeah. you? Oh, you always think we're going to go to John next, but we always go to you next. I always think we're going to go put- to John next. Aww. <laughs> well, now I want to take your spot. <laughs> I want you to take his spot because I want to be mean and vindictive to John. <laughs> Great. It's so, fine. So, Rhett, you're doing all right. Yeah. You still? You sure you don't want to say goodnight to your sweetie pie? Pretty. You still sure. have chance. I think you should. You don't have to do it sexy or j- just <laughs> say it really nice. Goodnight. There you go. You can put that on loop. Um, I want everyone on Twitter to at Rhett and oh, let God. him know that you want him to be the socks cast sex symbol, even though he's already agreed to it. Rhett, what the hell are you doing? I think you're the sex symbol. No, no. <laughs> I thought I was no. the sex symbol. Oh, it's Paulie's tummy. That's the sex symbol. <laughs> oh. Rhett, what are you wait, doing? Wait, wait. I think we had a counter for tummy references. Oh, right. Uh, that's one. That's one. It's one thing. Is it because I'm here? Or? Yes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> one, one tummy so far. <laughs> okay, with that out of the way. What are you so, doing, Rhett? <laughs> For me, this was a week where kind of not feeling video games as much. Mm. Just kind of like playing stuff, looking at my queue, and just like, eh, kind of disinterested a bit. So decided, you know, maybe I need more than one hobby. It's time to get back into anime. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oop. Oh, and boy. Then I, and then I didn't really watch any anime anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant start to your week, I gotta say. I, no, it was You're just going like, to watch anime and then you didn't. You did, you looked at what's air <laughs> you looked at what's airing and said, "Wow, I don't like any of this moe bullshit." No, I looked at what's airing and then downloaded like four things and it's like, "Well, I don't want to watch any of this right now because they don't end for like three more weeks." Maybe I'll so, play a video game. No, oh, I, I think th- okay. <laughs> <laughs> this happens every week for something. I've heard that the the guy who wrote um, Madoka is kind of on a roll, like Gen Urabot. Gee, I think and he's just been. He has something making a bunch of soon, great stuff. I think. Yeah, he, he wrote did, Fate Zero and Psychopaths. I want to watch both of those. He did Fate Zero before Madoka, and that really? was like, oh, I mean, that's cool. That was the one that like put him in such a emotional distress that he like had to write something happy, and something happy was Madoka. That was happy. That's, yes, that, that's, that's what amazing. I mean. That's the a great ending. backstory. Well, all right, Fate. Yes, Madoka was his recovery, or I think he called it a healing story or something. I think I'm, like, the only one that doesn't like Madoka. Aww. 
Yeah, you are. It's okay. We can't all have good taste, Momi. It's okay. <laughs> so if you guys want something... Anna, super- Anna didn't completely love Madoka either. Again, we can't all have good taste, Anna. <laughs> Well, Monica doesn't really make sense if you don't know magical girl shows. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's funny when you see stuff like Evangelion or Monica being touted as like, oh, everybody must watch this. It's like, there's Mm. kind of some context with those shows. Yeah, you've got to have a bit of knowledge before you tackle those. Mm. Just like probably leaping into Fully Cooly, just out of nothing would be a little... Nothing's ever the same after that. No. Yeah. So yeah, if you guys want a bright and cheery, happy show, you should watch Fate Zero. All right. <laughs> Given how much I hated Fate Stay Night, I think okay, I'll pass. Swear no, no, I've heard no, it's no, Polly, completely Polly. different from Fate Polly. Stay Night. It's Trust so me. much better, for real. <laughs> but I just, I hate those... <laughs> I, I know. No, I know. It's I know. so different. I went in with the exact same thought. Like, I hated those characters to pieces. I know. It's like, I don't <laughs> care about Saber. I don't care about Archer. I think they're dumb. I really liked Saber by the end of Fate Zero. <laughs> yeah, my, my, critic, my favorite critics are just like, Fate State Night is complete garbage. Go watch Fate Zero. I swear to God, it's so good. What? I'm going to skip Fate State Night. I don't care at all, but I'm going to go watch Fate Zero at some point. Watch it for the boobs. What? <laughs> watch it for the big boob uh, fox lady. <laughs> oh, I saw a bunch yes. of cuts from the Fate State Night visual novel that were just all like the porny scenes and they're just really funny and bad oh, oh god uh i i am going to implicate myself and say that i may have actually read one of those novels Ooh, was it really really bad oh my god like the person who wrote it the person oh, who wrote it has no right. i has no idea how sex works at all <laughs> it's just like mollusks right yeah it's just like mollusks weird yeah, there's a whole Tumblr that's just like clips from little images from the Fate Stay Night visual novel. And it's just so funny. Oh, my or, God. However, visual novels, whatever. Oh, God. They're yeah. just. Oh. Yeah. I'm, I, what, however, I think it's all thanks to the Matic guy, Urobochi. He just like got in to yeah. write a th- series in this garbage franchise and then just was like, I'm going to make it really good because I can do that. So. <laughs> It's really good. <laughs> I'm gonna watch Fate Zero. You should. Maybe, it's good. Maybe, maybe someday. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Everyone agrees that even people who like Fate Stay Night are like the anime is garbage. And then everyone's like, "Oh, the Fate Zero." The visual is novel is so much smarter. Anime is for jerks. Okay, <laughs> that anime cast is your host, Rhett. So the thing I actually did watch was I finished the show Ping Pong the Animation, which is <laughs> wait I know it's an adaptation of Pong. Is it is it a remake of Ping Pong Club? Because that was a show that I remember seeing way back in the day, and I was like I had heard the name. Uh, no, this is based off a of manga of some kind from the nineties, I think. Well, so is the older show, which is why I'm bringing it up. I, I swear I looked; they're not the same. Okay. <laughs> This show is directed by Masaki Yuasa, who does The Ooh. Crazy. He did uh, Kemo uh, Nozume. Oh, God. Tatami Galaxy. Yeah. And Tatami and Galaxy. Tatami yeah, Galaxy. He's awesome. Tatami Galaxy is one of my favorite. Tatami Galaxy is some top-level shit. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, so I watched this just because he was the director, and it was pretty good, but I think probably my least favorite of his things. Mm. Gotcha. 
because it's I still need to watch Kaiba and Kamonozume. Kamonozume. Yeah, because when you compare it to those two, it's like, well, this is a show about kids who play ping pong. It's mm-hmm. just, it's not the wacky, crazy mind bending. Yeah, it's not, it's not dreams eating your intestines or anything <laughs> like that, or hands that become monsters that eat people. Right, right, right. It's it's kids playing ping pong. Yeah. So people are like, oh, this is really good for a sports anime, but it's what? still sports anime. <laughs> maybe, yeah. may, maybe after like Kimono Zume and Kaiba, this was his happy show. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I think this was his, oh, God, no one will hire me anymore show. Yeah. Oh, poor guy. It must really kind of be a bummer to have that unique of a style in, like, a a country that's kind of, like, not one to shy away from tradition. Or just the state of anime right now being moe as hell. Yeah. Which you're okay with. Uh, (laughs) I'm okay with that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a moe nerd. (laughs) There's just so much of it. It's just like, uh It's just so... I, I thought the bubble would have been over by now. Yeah, it's, it the seems bu- like that bubble's been on for as long as I've watched... I don't think that bubble's Japanese going cartoons. away. <laughs> I guess it's not really a bubble, then. It's I just think that's just water. what anime is now. It's no longer a bubble. It just is. <laughs> it is what it is. Be what it be. See, I watch that, and then I watch some of his miscellaneous uh, other stuff, mm-hmm. just to finish off the Masaki Yuasa collection. I think I've Chronicles. seen everything he's done now. That's awesome. So he did like shorts and stuff like that. He did like the pilot for some kids show. Oh, and, like, oh god! This was, like his first directory thing in like early nineties, I th- or not early nineties, late nineties. I'm trying to imagine a children's show with his style, and it's utterly terrifying. Yeah, it was kind of like that. It was like, wow, this is messed up. And then it did get picked up, but he didn't have anything to do with the final show. Oh. So it's just the pilot. Oh. And then I watched, I finally watched that thing he did that was on Kickstarter. Oh, was it the five-minute short kind of thing? It was 13 minutes, but yeah, still. Like, yep, I backed $15 for this. And it was 13 minutes long. Yeah. Money well spent. Indeed. (laughs) So, for video games, I've been playing the game Elemental. What is that? So, that's like a platformer where you can't move the character directly, almost. It's a four-button game. Oh, so weird. It's really... It's unique and weird and cute. So, mm-hmm. picture the four face buttons on, you know, modern controllers. They're in the diamond shape. When you press the top one, you turn into a little ball of air, and you move up a little bit. When you press the bottom one, you turn into a rock and move down a little bit. And then when you press the one on the right, you turn into a ball of fire and move to the right a bit. And so you, those are the three ones you can use to move at all. And when you press the left button, you turn into a block of ice and just kind of skid around on the ground. So, so you have it's Kirby. Mm. No, it looks like Night Sky by Niflis. I'm looking at the trailer yeah. right now. The visuals are very night sky-ish where the ground is all black and you've got kind of colored backgrounds. But uh-huh. And just kind game, of the indirect control thing, too. Yeah. But although there's more, you have more control of the character in night sky, probably. So Yeah, yeah, totally. So this is all about like maintaining your momentum to kind of slide along these worlds. And it's, cool. it's very, very difficult. It gets really hard by the end. Oh, weird. And it looks so charming. Just... It seems kind of yeah weird. 
It does. Were you, seem- gonna, were you talking about Kirby Campus Curse, Momi? Uh, it just sounds like there are Kirby where you get to do different things to move around. Gotcha. Yeah, it's not really. I can kind of see the canvas curse in there, except you have way more direct control of that. We're just mostly like you could turn into a rock person and an uh, air yeah. person. And a oh, okay. I think cool. it's just interesting because it's you don't feel uh, it's hard to explain. Like you have control over the character, but you're just going along for the ride, really, where a lot of it's just turning into a block of ice and trying to briefly turn into the other forms to get a little boost of speed and maintain mm-hmm. momentum. And then there's some areas where you are, like, underwater, so the rules change, like, air will move you up much faster, and turning into fire will just be an instant death. I see. Huh. And Elemental is pretty cute, and the one thing that kind of ties it together is that you've got a little smiley face on your Elemental orb. <laughs> and, they make, and they make cute little comments as you go through the game. So it's got a little bit of personality as well, instead of just being this... Kind of like uh, black platformer. Yeah. If it was mm-hmm. just that, it would just kind of be bland. But there's a li- That's sort of what I thought of Night, Night Sky. Is I, just, I, yeah, got, I, I got kind of bored of it, one. and there was really yeah. no personality because you're just a little black ball. And- oh, yeah, Night Sky. Yeah, it's so yeah. long, too. I, like, I always would play like two worlds of it and then just kind of get bored. Yeah, yeah I like Night Sky, but... I don't mm-hmm. think it was bad. I just think that yeah. it didn't really have a hook. Yeah, it didn't have punch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I, and I really like knit and knit stories, so so that was kind of interesting. But I, I kind of have that problem with a lot of his work where it's really long, really long games that don't have too much variation yeah. or much of a hook. Like within a deep forest kind of had that for me. And prob- I don't think I'm really interested in knit underground just because it looks like knit, but really <laughs> even longer and... HD that doesn't really appeal to me. Yeah, so Elemental is not that long. Maybe three hours. That helps, I yeah. guess, depending on how hard you find it. Because it, like I said, it gets pretty difficult at the end. I think they made it a little bit easier through updates because people were probably complaining. Mm-hmm. There's if you die enough times, you can get a ghost to show you like the correct way to go through an area. So like super, super guide. guide, yeah. Not really. It doesn't take control from you, but you'll see like an image of another element going through and then turning to fire and then turning to rock. And Interesting. you can kind of figure out, oh, that's how I'm supposed to get through this part. Because there's some like crazy loop-de-loops and stuff at the end where it's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. Where it's like, you've got to go up this half pipe, then turn into a rock, and then up the other side of this half pipe, then jump. And <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's di- some parts of it do feel kind of puzzly where... You have to figure out like what does the game want me to do here. And then and the music's really good as well. I'll give a shout yeah, out to that. Yeah, it sounded really nice. Cool. So and it's called Elemental with a four because you yeah. control with four keys. Yep. Radical. And the, you know the four elements, kind of the Final Fantasy style. Oh yeah, that makes sense. And there's some play on the element stuff where like if you hit lava while you're the ice cube, you turn into water, and you can use that to. Oh, so there's cool little cube. interactions like that. That's kind of the only one. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Oh. The other interaction, okay. I guess, would be if you turn into air while underwater, you go up really, really fast. Yeah. Guess then, couldn't, couldn't think of much for the others. Yeah. yeah. So oh, that's the next, cool. it's pretty cool. It's kind of a uh, what would I call it? Like a trifle. Like it's not the game that'll win Game of the Year awards, but it's cute, kind of relaxing. Mm-hmm. 
except that's also really hard. <laughs> well, I There's, play I play a lot of hard games that I use to relax too. Like, yeah, I, I, so like I definitely unwind with Super Hexagon at this point. Well, you're a weirdo. Yeah. It's like so, okay, let's just okay. Sorry. Next game I played this two week period was Borderlands Two because there's something wrong with me. <laughs> shoot more stuff. See more numbers. Get more shoot guns. More stuff. Shoot. You shoot a lot of stuff in these games. There are numbers too. There are definitely yes. numbers. Did you know that there are 18 billion possible guns? I found That's about a, one of a billion a of, of those. <laughs> so yeah, also the necromancers were the cute. What brought you back to Borderlands? <laughs> uh, I bought one of the DLC packs while it was on sale a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So maybe I should go back because I haven't talked about this game on the podcast. So when Borderlands 2 came out, a friend of mine gifted it to me because they ended up with two copies somehow. So we played through the main story co-op, and I was just like, man, that was okay, but you know what the last thing I want to do now is play more Borderlands 2. Because there's something about that game where it just feels like, in games like PSO or Diablo, you have the loot grind, but you also kind of want to run the dungeons over and over to get more stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And Borderlands 2 feels like it's so driven by the story missions that there's never a moment where it just lets you do whatever you want. Yeah. The Mm -hmm. first Borderlands, I I, I was allowed to mess around quite a bit. I think Borderlands 2 focuses way more on the main story missions than... Like, I don't think you could... I'm pretty sure you never have to do a single side quest in the second one. Like, even... If you just focused on the main story, you'd be level appropriate like the entire time. Wow. And, and the other thing is that the main story is like 30 hours long. Oh, like, geez. It is a big game. So then it's like, so as soon as you finish it, it's like, okay, now you unlocked the second difficulty. Go through the main story again. And I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then with the updates and that they've added, there's a third difficulty now for level 70. It's like, oh, yeah. God. So it was like the DLC blowing your skirt up, any? So I thought, yep, yeah, I'm done with this game after beating it. And I got to, like, level 40, I think, out of 50 for the base game. And first couple, first couple DLCs come out, people are like, eh, whatever. And then the Tiny Tina Assault on Dragon yes. keeps Yes. Yes. <laughs> That one comes out, and people are like, oh my god, this is so much better than the DLC. This is better than the main game. So I picked that up over the summer and played it, and I was like, oh, I I like Borderlands 2 now. Oh. Like, it's really good. What do they do differently? I just think the setting's more interesting, even though it's, like, intentionally generic as hell fantasy. Mm -hmm. It's still kind of fun to just be running around, like, shooting different things. Like, you can kind of tell they take the archetypes of Borderlands 2 and just turn them into other things like the flying enemies or dragons now and the soldier or the oh my god that's funny the bandits are things like knights or skeletons like and you can get invaded dark souls style. oh no way yeah. and there's or a you stupid get a quest yeah there's a quest that's based on dark souls that's really silly so it's kind of like uh, saints row riffing uh, on you know the way that that series riffs on other games and you know other genres, it's kind of like that. Yeah, it's just this big parody of all that kind of stuff, and it's just like there's a big elf or dwarven dungeon. Like the setting is just more interesting than the normal brown 
ditches and of borderlands normally is associated with. And there's a shotgun that shoots swords that explode yeah, into smaller swords. Oh my god, this is the best it, thing. There's a lot of stupid stuff like that. And the grenades are like spells. It's like why can't why can't like the main game be this gloriously stupid? Yeah, Momi mentioned these. There's grenade mods that are just like act like spell magic spells. So like one of them I got was just fireball. So instead of throwing a grenade, you just throw a fireball instead. That's do, fantastic. Do 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 any of your abilities change within that context, or is it just? Uh, I think it's just that. Ah, I yeah. see. Otherwise, you're still shooting stuff with guns. Unless right. you get the gun that shoots swords. I want a gun that shoots swords. Put that it's on my Christmas list. Called the sword explosion gun. <laughs> That's a good name for a gun. So, like a gun I've, blade. <laughs> oh. oh. So I finished that DLC kind of coming high off Borderlands 2. Like, ah, this game's all right. I like this game. So then during one of the Steam sales, because, you know, Steam sales are happening like every five minutes, I I picked up another one of the DLCs because, hey, I'll play a little more Borderlands 2. So I picked up, uh, what's it called? Scarlet something, the pirate-themed one. Yeah, Scarlet booty thing. Yeah. So I'm like, I like pirates and I like booty. I'll play this one. And... (laughs) This just oh, in. Right. Rhett likes booty. It's more Borderlands 2. Oh, no. Like, Not right even... back to shooting bandits in the head. Like, the shitty vehicle stuff. Like, there's one, like, water-themed area in the whole thing. It's, like, not even new-skinned areas to be pirate-themed or anything. I'm just like, oh, this is kind of a letdown. Oh, that is a bummer. I've... I After, found a place in that DLC where you can get outside the map. Was fun. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it did feel kind of it's like you think you'd, you'd think that they would have saved the the Tiny Tina DLC for last. Oh no, they did. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Yeah. Oh, oh, just, okay. I just waited like two years before buying it. <laughs> I see. Okay, okay. Yeah, so I think I might be done with Borderlands Two now. I kind of lost interest in playing the rest of the DLCs now. Okay, that that's, doesn't sound. And, that game has, like, the worst inventory system ever. Really? I thought the first one had the worst inventory yeah, system ever. it's better ever. than the first one. Is it? Yeah. Oh, oh I, God, the first God, inventory yes. system is dreadful. It's why I quit. <laughs> God, I played the first one so long ago, I honestly don't remember. It's god-awful. It's like Mass yeah. Effect 1 levels on PC <laughs> of bad. Well, let me tell you, they still didn't improve it much for Borderlands 2. It's better. still, you still see like five guns on screen at once, and I have like an inventory of thirty things. It's yeah. still like, and then like trying to change between the categories, and like not everything shows up in every category, so you can't even scroll to the bottom and this navigating it with Weird. the mouse. Is it still it, consoleized? Basically, it. I guess I don't know why yeah. the font. It's just as weird. It's like, you know, the best comparison is probably co- comparing it to like. The Dark Souls One interface, Ooh. but like, but like zoomed in. Oh God, that'd like, be even you worse. You seriously only see like five things on at once because yeah. because Dark Souls has a pretty zoomed in interface. But yeah. holy crap, even worse than that. I think it's worse than Dark Souls. 
out. Yeah. And you're just so often getting a new gun and trying to compare it to the old stuff. Like, I don't know what is better anymore. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that I got really tired of that. I, I just, yeah. I eventually stopped picking up things in Borderlands 1 because I got so sick of picking up things that were most likely going to be garbage. Yeah, yeah. I usually just sold them all and I got so much money. I just start throwing them on the ground. Like, I don't know what this is. I think this crap, boop, just boop, throw it on the ground. Like, don't even vendor it because money's I worthless. Like two million, yeah. I had so much <laughs> money by the end. It was just like, why? Does money even do anything, though? That's a- <laughs> No, you can uh, gamble with it. Oh, oh. oh boy. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's always fun, video game gambling. So, yeah, I think I'm done with Borderlands 2, but at the same time... There's the new one, Borderlands, the pre-sequel coming out. And I'm going to be honest, I thought that trailer they just put out this week looked really good. <laughs> like, that's the Telltale setting. one, right? No, no, no that's really... not the Telltale one. No, no, it's... that's Tales from the Borderlands. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I don't know. I'll wait till like, oh, yeah. it has like the game of the year or everything in it. Oh, yeah. yeah I definitely don't buy games new, but... I am interested in the pre-sequel now. You heard it, folks. Uh, Red is what's wrong with the industry. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Steam sales. I think the last game I bought for $60 was Nino Kuni in, like, January 2013. Uh, Dark Souls 2 for me. Yeah, uh, Dark Souls 2. You didn't pay $60 for Dark Souls 2. Well, it's the last game I paid full price for. Semantic, <laughs> schmantic, shut your ass. I got some 25% off coupon on that at launch. It was great. Damn. Mm-hmm. But... The thing about the Borderlands, the pre-sequel that I'm interested in is that it's kind of like the uh, – it's not the same developers as the first two games where it's the – they're working on something, so we're farming it out to a different development company kind of sequel. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Bioshock 2 and that last Batman game. Oh, so we should Those expect worked out well. things. Yeah. Oh, no, you like well, Arkham Origins, right? <laughs> See, that's the thing. I'm – I didn't like Borderlands. I keep saying Borderlands now. I didn't like Bioshock Two, but I really liked Arkham Origins. So I, I liked it, but it felt different. It felt definitely st- didn't feel the same. But so I'm I willing think the to give. Combat wasn't as good. <laughs> I felt pretty did- okay with those games after Arkham Asylum. I was like, okay, I think I got the gist of this. Well, if you want to never have me on this podcast again, I thought Arkham Asylum was the worst one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That might be why I was like, okay, I think I'm done with this. And I have no opinion whatsoever. But, so I'm willing to give a fair shake to games that are made by not the original developers. So I think Borderlands, the pre-sequel, looks interesting because, like, they seem to just be completely embracing how stupid that series is. It's not the same thing that Gearbox is doing. Yeah. Like, they're taking the Borderlands 2 template and just, like, throat I'm, I'm not sure how to word it just they're going 10 100% with it 10 100% so like yeah. like the setting is this ugly space space on the moon and it's like bright and neon and garish and it's like that feels just like the perfect fit for how stupid it is and the numbers flying everywhere and like threading stuff where you can jump like even higher and then ground pound and shoot electricity but are there everywhere wizards on the moon <laughs> i hope so there probably will be yeah, I think there's they've had ample time to get that reference set up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think pre sequel looks interesting because it's just going to be like a dirty, grungy 
embracing how stupid that series is sequel. That sounds really cool. You could play so, as Claptrap, so I mean. Oh, I don't really want to play as Claptrap. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you I wasn't really Claptrap and die over and over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't really interested until I saw. Oh, there's two playable female characters this time, and one this of them is, has a shield and a sword. This is the only way you'll get Rhett to play a game. <laughs> Just put playable females in it. Why do you think he's such a big Toho nerd? <laughs> but are there boner? Put fans? in hundreds. Are there what? Boner farts. Boner farts. Oh. Is that a Borderlands 2 joke? Yes. It's one of the missions. Uh, He renamed the uh, Bully Mongs Boner Farts. (laughs) Oh, I do remember that. And you actually see a change on there when you look at them. It says Boner Farts. That that part was actually funny. It actually changes in the world. He's like, I'm going to call them Boner Farts. (laughs) I like that. That's wonderful. So I guess that's it for me because the other game I played was Receiver. We already talked about that. <laughs> John? Yay, I'm next! Okay. John! 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 John, John, John. Hi! Hi! I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you for just a moment oh. because there's, there's, a, there's a segment I thought of just now that we need yeah. to add to this podcast. Yeah. Ooh. And it's, uh, it, hmm, how do I put it? This is something I'm going to bring up every podcast from now on until okay. until the end of time. Well, you'll see. You'll see. You'll see. Hey, John. Yeah? Have you played Hunters or Dark Souls yet? Nope. All right. And back to your regularly scheduled wow. John musings. Okie dokie. What you been doing, John? Well, um, I finished. we finished up um, our game, but I think we can wait until your turn to talk about that. All right. Cool. And um, aside from that, I spent a lot of time like thinking about video games and then not having any time to actually play video games. <laughs> and it was really frustrating. So um, one non-video game thing is that Anna and I watched Fooly Cooly today and she'd never seen it before. Uh, oh, God. What was her reaction? Um, she's finished it and then she said, I'm going to go take a shower. <laughs> huh. And then she went and took a shower. And then we didn't talk about Fully Cooly for about two hours. <laughs> and then I asked what she thought. And then she said, well, after I finished watching it, I stopped thinking about it. You should and stop. I haven't thought about it since. Because I yeah, think well, I just... She, I think she approached it the wrong way. You've got to like... <laughs> the first time you watch that show, I made the same mistake. When I first watched it, I didn't like it. Because I mm-hmm. was thinking about it. The, ne- the second time that I watched it, I turned my brain off entirely and just let the pretty images soak into my eyeballs. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is really fucking great. And when I actually turned my brain off, I actually gleaned some meaning from it. Because mm-hmm. there is like a really cool little coming of age story there. But Definitely. You just need to let it – let the – it's an amalgamation. There's all these different t- mishmashy tones and ideas and visual styles and setting stuff in there. So having all that clashing stuff in there, it works, but it can be very – strange watching it for the first time i think yeah. speed racer was kind of like that i watched that to, uh, this week too and really liked it that movie um, lo- that, lo- that movie looks overkill 
<laughs> just just the visual designs and like, I've only seen maybe five or ten minutes of it at a friend's place, but it's just my eyeballs were fried within seconds. Well, then yeah, that's a legitimate reason. To there's have so much. With there's it, so much flashing and so much saturation. It's just wow. Absolutely. By the end of it, it's like a two thousand sequence from two thousand one, where like star jumping yeah. through the star gates, spy and spiraling in. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> I love it. I so, should see that. It sounds it's, good. It's fantastic. It so yeah. That, it's kind of the same thing where there's a lot of kind of clashing tone stuff and jokes and you just kind of have to accept that, and then you can just realize how good it is from there. Cool, cool. So that's kind of fully cool to me. I think it's one of my favorite shows. And um, beyond fully coolie, uh, I played. I finally got to play Majora's Mask last night. I um, got I. I'd gotten past the Great Bay Temple last uh-huh. week, but um, this week, I all I got time to do was to do the Anju Cafe side quest, which is friggin' just brutal emotionally. Please don't spoil that for me. I'm still playing okay. it. Okay. It's really Sorry. good. Once again, I'm dealing cool. with it. It doesn't like it. It, <laughs> it makes a really, really... It's a really powerful side quest just mostly for the end beat is really good also if you screw it up at any time it hurts you have to redo it and (laughs) they really hammer in the emotional impact of it like there's one thing where you're just if you screw it up you're locked in a room with this guy and the only thing you can do is play the song of time and leave him behind because you're locked in what (laughs) that is messed up i know i lost and it's like on the third day and your fairy is just like, it's okay. You did the best you could. Oh, We're sorry. Shit. There's we your emotional, emotional kick in the balls. And then you have to leave and leave him locked in the room to die as the moon's flying down. <laughs> oh my god, that's that's dreadful. Oh, it's oh, it hurts. And I and I just barely missed it by like um half a second. <laughs> I just screwed it up barely. Oh. Oh, did you act, did you actually get to the end of it though? Like next try? Yeah, or? I went into the end scene, finished it, and um, the end scene is just razor sharp. It's really brought the game up in my eyes because it it makes really good use of the last. Because up until then, there was no reason for me to be visiting the town on the third day, mm-hmm. and I did on my own, and it was really creepy and eerie. The soundtrack gets all dark, and the everything turns red. Everyone's dialogue is really desolate. And the Anju Cafe side quest forces you to really engage with that in a really cool way. And it's still kind of sad by the end, but in a more fulfilling way. And it doesn't help that Reed and I kind of figured something out about how time travel works in the Zelda universe. (laughs) And that's that when, at the end of Ocarina of Time, Windmaker wakes it clear that when Link time travels back to the past at the end of Ocarina, he leaves that universe behind and it still keeps going without him and it splits the timeline, right? Mm-hmm. Woodmaker kind of makes that clear. That's a canon part of the Zelda universe. Yes, Nintendo has detailed all this in their stupid little timeline now. Yeah, exactly. And that means that every time you use the Song of Time in Majora's Mask, that's another timeline that you're dooming to being crushed by the moon and everybody in Clocktown dying. And once I realized that, 
it was just like every time I had to go back in time was just like this moment. And as, and also meaning that also knowing that every side quest I fulfilled was basically pointless because the people were dying anyway, because, and then you come back and then everything you fix just gets broken again. It's the opposite of every other Zelda game where you're just solving everybody's problems. You're solving people's problems and getting something out of it for you. But then it just gets reversed again every time. So you're just gleaming this little bit of meaning out of making this one little iteration's life better, but without actually permanently helping anybody. Oh, Higurashi kind of has uh, a very similar. Um, yeah, yeah, I got that kind of setup. Yeah. yeah, I played a little bit more of Majora's Mask. I didn't feel it was worth doing a major update for, but I definitely get the same feeling where it's like I'm in the the Bay Area now, and it's like. Well, I can do all this quest, and then as soon as I turn back time, everything is undone, and it just starts. The game starts weighing on you, like the pointlessness of helping these characters out, like mm-hmm. until you get to the end and magically save everything. I presume, or whatever. I don't or know if, what'll happen at the end. I, yeah, I don't even know. I don't know if we're gonna have, how much we're gonna save everyone, but ugh, Lord, or it's just like when you reach meet these characters in this new area who are actually literally dying and it's like well you've been dying this entire time in every timeline before i got here it's like it's a dark game it's weird and actually playing it is honestly kind of frustrating or boring a lot of the time but i'm not a huge fan of the dungeons yeah i i actually like the dungeons and the bosses even if they can be pretty frustrating but i think i like them way more than like the wind waker dungeons or the first skyward sword dungeon that are just so processed and over-designed that I feel like I'm just dragged through them, basically. Um, but yeah, a lot of it, a lot of the fetch questy stuff in between dungeons kind of weighs on, wears on me, but I, I just can't really care too much when there's all this really cool stuff in the margins. It's just really neat. So I'm, I'm really, really enjoying Majora's Mask, and aside from that, I'm also, I played like two or three hours of Pac-Man Championship Edition this week. Ooh. Now I think I think do you mean championship election DX? Uh yeah, the, the oh, yeah, new, new Yes. Oh, that is like fucking crack. I love that game. That game is oh I Reed wasn't kidding about his scores. He's like number twenty one <laughs> or something on the global leaderboards. Damn, I was like, son. I'm gonna beat Reed. Oh wait, wow. Okay. Oh, I got into that game, son. <laughs> Yeah, God, that, that was me. Really I, super hexagon scores. I, I played it on PS3, and that is exactly the same thing I did. I just every, anytime I had like four or five minutes to spare, I would boot up the PS3, and it's like boom, I'm setting more scores, or you know, just <laughs> yeah, that game's so good, so good. It's just it makes Pac-Man better. It is better than Pac-Man, I think. It's like I can kind of compare every other game that like is reinvent kind of reinvents itself with into that mindset like gradius and gradius five gradius five feels kind of like that similar restructuring reinvention stripping down and a logical and a logical progression yeah um uh there's another example i'm trying to think of like um i guess i've heard a lot about outrun two being kind of that for outrun Outrun two that game's fabulous i love it yeah I love Outrun 1. I've played a bunch of it lately, but um, I'm really excited to play Outrun 2 as well. So, yeah. I, I really uh, hope oh, that... Space, Space Invaders Extreme is oh, really yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. That's yeah, it. so that style of game is something I really, really dig, and I really like 
I feel like Ch- Pac-Man Championship Edition is probably like the er example of that kind of reinvention. You know what that game is to me? What? It's like you feel the trust between the player and the developer where you're going so fast at when you're on the expert level just racing down that path and the ghosts are coming at you but you just have to trust that they're not going to hit you most of the time. Right. Yeah, you know that they're going to turn. Yeah, turn. it's like you, you know no. The game is designed that way. You just have to have faith and trust that it's just really cool. Like that's a really cool observation. Yeah. It, that's that's a that's a favorite. I think is Pac-Man Championship it's, Edition. It's really good. Yeah, it's, it's Championship so Edition DX. They are they're different games. Yeah, they the, are. the original Championship Edition was kind of not great. Really, it it's was just oh. kind of Pac-Man. Yeah, it's just Pac-Man. Oh, only it's only it's neon. Oh. Yeah, it's like the same visuals, but actually just normal Pac-Man. Weird. That's that's strange. And they I they made this little update called DX, and it's like ten times the game. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's worth every penny. Just get it. Don't even wait for a sale. Just get it. Yeah, it's so good. Oh, that makes that's so weird because I guess that means I've been playing just a different game from the one that I've been hearing about for a long time. <laughs> yeah, people huh. like Championship Edition as well. But I'm yeah, like, I, I was reading. Um, I, I read Tim Rogers's review of Championship Edition. That's what got me to buy it, and I was like, "This game is really good." And then I went back and re- read his re- review, and I was like, "This sounds slightly different. What's an eight <laughs> eight ghost combo? What is that?" And then eight ghosts, son. I just ate two hundred and fifty. <laughs> yeah, DX is just so dramatic in comparison. So I guess I kind of do want to play Championship Edition. Is the um, is Championship one? map in dx kind of that yeah okay i played yeah. a little bit and i was like i was like this is so different this is weird there's not there's not a million ghosts i played like yeah. one round of it so i'll go back to that and see how i feel about championship edition one i think championship edition the game itself is on steam in one of the pac-man collections weird well i think the the important thing the really important thing is um refreshing the map whenever you clear out one side yeah, because that just keeps totally... the flow going so fast in comparison to the original yeah, Pac-Man. And you're only really focused on one small portion of the map. You're never given uh, like a full board to deal with. Mm-hmm. It keeps you things just kind of have to. You, you look at like a dot path. pattern, and then you try to figure out what the best path is to get through those dots as quickly as possible. And then you play the same level over and over again until you just burned it into your brain. It's really satisfying. I started playing on Expert Edition like really fast because just the speed is so. Great. Yeah, it, it that that game has to be played on Expert to to uh-huh. be fully enjoyed to get the full manic feeling of it. Definitely Expert. Mm-hmm. Cool. And I'll play more of Championship One so I can get some of that feel too. Yeah, it's not the same. You, you'll go yeah. right. You'll go right back to DX. Oh, okay. I did look, oh, cool. and I I was looking at the scores just to see if you'd pass me on anything. And Championship One, you had a higher score on than me, and I'm like. <laughs> Oh, but I don't feel like playing that one because that's why you have a higher score. Because I hate that map. I, th- I, play- I think I played it once. <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> you did better than me. That's really funny. Yeah, I had like a S rank. I love that the ranks are based on your positionship on the re- leaderboard. That's yeah, really it's like satisfying. Top five. Top five percent for us. So I'm trying. Have you gone through and basically just S ranked everything? Yeah, I've played each of them like 50 times, probably. <laughs> Maybe that's not so that cool. many, but. Probably not that for Championship One, but except for like, done. except for Championship One and Two, I think I'm like top twenty five on every map on Steam. Damn, that's cool. Yeah, I, I played I a lot really, of Championship. I really two. like that game. Yeah, it's really good. 
the and, music. Um, oh yeah, do you have the DLC? Yeah, I do. Because because there's a few extra maps and songs that are both really good. Uh huh. There's a really dumb one that's um like the new Ghostly Adventures Pac Man in the background. Oh, it's just really ugly. But yeah, I don't like that. I only use like the default background A or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'll change oh. it up with the music. The music's mm-hmm. good. So yeah, probably the second best Pac-Man game overall. Second to Pac-Man World Two, obviously. That that was a joke. I don't I don't think anybody's <laughs> gonna a, argue. Yeah, uh, pause there. Just uh, we'll just leave that silence in there. I think it's yeah, appropriate. No. There's um Anna Anna had played Pac-Man World Two as a little kid, so we bought the game just on Amazon, and then we both just played through the whole game, just laughing. And laughing. It was really fun. It was the first time I had kind of a so bad it's good experience with a video game. It's definitely a contextualized experience. Yeah, no, Pac-Man World 2 is not good. No. Pac-Man definitely failed to evolve after that original couple of games. Yeah, Ms. Pac-Man was basically it until Championship Edition. But Ms. Pac-Man was a ROM hack made by Americans. <laughs> so they don't even like to acknowledge that one. Really? You didn't know that? Yeah. No! Oh wow! Miss Pac-Man was started as like some bootleg thing with a different oh name. God, that's and they bought the rights to it. The actual Pac-Man sequels are like Pac Junior and like oh, Pac-Land. Nobody cares about Pac-Land. There's other Pac-Man games from the arcades that look nothing like actual Pac-Man, but before yeah, we Pac-Land, saw the, we saw them in the arcade in Pac-Man World Two. They have a bunch yeah. of them on display. That's so funny. This Pac-Man's people... basically is is better than the first one, right? I don't yeah. really know. Okay. I think, so. I think it's just more refined movement and stuff. I think people like the world record people play the first one because it can be memorized. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. But for like normal, which is people. so strange, you know, <laughs> that it's like deterministic. Mm-hmm. That always seemed kind of funky to me. Like, oh wait, you can memorize this game, and then you just do the twenty-first level, two hundred twenty times. <laughs> Like, okay. Yeah. I don't get that stuff. I mean, yeah, I get that how... That doesn't sound can, super exciting. The AI is simple enough where they can just figure out a correct path to take. Mm-hmm. I did a whole big... do it, then it's kind of boring. I did a big, long... Read a big, long analysis of the AI in Pac-Man 1. It's really cool. Just like they all have different behaviors based on your position on the grid. It's really cool. Yeah. I think just one of them actually hones in on you as much as it can. Hmm. The rest of them, like, one of them goes, uh, like, to a space eight up and to the left from you is always aiming at that spot. Yeah. (laughs) It's super cool. All right, and that's all for me, I think. So, like you said, we finished our Ruin Jam project. Yeah, we did. We finished in time for the podcast. (laughs) Five days late. <laughs> it's still in the Ruin Jam. It's still in the Ruin Jam collection, counts. though. Uh, it's called it's immortalized. It's called Operation KATB. Um, I'm not sure if I want to reveal what KATB stands for, but I guess no. in order to guess in order to talk about the game, we kind of have to. It's uh, Operation Kiss All the Boys. It's fabulous, <laughs> and oh. it is a fabulous little cute exploratory based platformer where you you walk around and you kiss things and. It's, it's adorable. <laughs> you kiss switches to make wind work. Because <laughs> that's the only logical thing, right? Yeah. Oh, it's I mean, so that's your good. verb. Kiss. That's your yeah. verb. Jump and kiss and move. So that's... who came up with the idea of 
the wind thing being like the main puzzle. John did. We uh, because we were trying I, to find a way to move the player around fast and and, and vertically. Um, yeah, and, and we figured rather than like continually mashing a jump button, you needed something a little more automated, but still kind of had a good feel to it. And that's when he thought up uh, the wind tunnels. Yeah, they were just kind of ripped from um, Fugitive, actually. With yeah, the, they were the underwater bubbles that pushed you oh, up. Yeah, which was probably that. my favorite area of the game, actually. So it was uh, fun to revisit that idea. But it was interesting doing this project because you know it, it started as a pretty base idea. It, um, it was you know the game is actually quite a bit different than it had you know was envisioned in my head because there was a lot of things that I wasn't sure we could actually get to or could even actually do in the span mm-hmm. of the time that we we needed to do it. So you know we didn't even have a character at this point. You know my original idea was just uh, it was going to be a gay space marine kissing boys because I fi- <laughs> because I figure you know if you're going to upset white nerds uh, more than anything, just show them something gay, right? Yep. Um, but you know, the, but we uh, borrowed the sprite uh, from the Ruin Nero Jam. Sprite. Yeah, we borrowed the Nero sprite from the Ruin Jam because they're the mascot. Because I thought that would be better, and I thought I don't want to draw sprites. So, it fit. It fit so, well enough. Oh my god, drawing, getting the character sprites is always hard. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, ripped, I ripped um the one for Fugitive from an old DOS game called Monuments of Mars. Did some touching up color black and white worked out really well but yeah like the the the, the game itself had originally started like as a much bigger kind of grander scale even if it was planned as a small game uh and actually like the first uh the first iteration in my head of it was actually a twine game huh. oh cool that's um, different <laughs> but but I saw, I, you know, I, I knew that John had been messing around with Game Maker a lot over the last year or so, and I knew that that's something I eventually wanted to get into. Ten years. <laughs> so I thought, um, you know, what better way to do it than to throw myself at a game jam and to, you know, assure that I'm going to get it done. I need to have someone uh, with me that knows all of this stuff a hell of a lot better than I do, which <laughs> which is why I chose John. Um, and... Uh, I think that he did the bulk of the work. Um, I, I did a lot of the graphical assets. Um, I put together the opening, the ending, the title screen. Um, mm-hmm. I did a lot of the world design. Um, I, I tiled most of the world, which is the most monotonous thing you will ever <laughs> do. Yeah, so I was oh, going to ask God. about that. You just did that shit all manually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I um, might try to figure out a way to do that automatically next I think time. it's I think it's in room creation that you could probably yeah. set something up like that but yeah I tiled the entire game by hand oh my god uh, um <laughs> and it was it was a pretty I mean the world felt way way big to me and then you play the game and it's 10 fucking minutes long <laughs> it's like Most I spent, people who have played it taking about 15 minutes it's like I, we spent 19 days on a 10 minute game holy shit welcome to game development it right, feels, but, it feels. But that's the thing that it, it it gave me uh, a huge appreciation for the kind of stuff that you know John and Rhett do in terms of game development. Because even though it was only a, you know a two or three week project, by the end of it, it still felt nice to push something out because you know it, it's out of your hair now. 
you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have to worry about it yeah. anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And it's out of your brain. It exists. Yeah, yeah, it exists. It's out there. People are playing it. They have responded fairly well. Oh yeah. Um, the, um, I guess like the uh, the only real thing that we did not end up getting to do uh, was that uh, we were going to have a lot of kissable objects in the environment. Uh-huh. That's true. We didn't do that. Uh, uh-huh. we, uh, well, part of it was time. Mm-hmm. Because it would have taken us, a, a, you know, if you want every object that you kiss to act in a different way, that's going to require a whole new set of commands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, testing those commands and making sure they work and then getting stuck when they don't, that's just going to eat up more time. It's going to make the project more frustrating. Um, but we also like the idea of it just being a deserted planet. Uh, and, it, it, and I don't feel that it was a cop out. I feel that you know it actually worked with like the visuals and the sound that we had. I felt that uh, we accomplished everything that we set out to do with it. Mm, I feel like the stark kind of simplicity to it kind of suits it. There's a very few design actual design elements to it. Right. And I liked trying to take those design elements and with you and put them together in a bunch of different shapes yeah, that it, were distinct. And to, that was really cool to me. Yeah, it, it's, it's a game that's built on very simple mechanics, but I think that we use those mechanics in ways that were smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Absolutely. yeah, that, that, that was a wholly satisfying experience for me. I'm definitely going to you know, continue forward with game development. I've got a lot of little ideas and bigger ideas that I would cool. like to work up to in the Write future. Write them all down. Oh, I, I, I have. I have been. Cool. I yeah, I, the ant game that I I made that game in three days for Ludum Dare. I'd been kind of thinking about it for like a year and a half. Wow, <laughs> it's pretty funny. And originally, it's it's funny because it's sort of like the same with the ant ga- with um, KTB is that I sort of thought of it as like uh, explorey game with lots of different assets and you're just walking around and. Yeah, that was uh, that. That was like I remember when we first we had our first conversation about it. I specifically mentioned ants. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it was like you know, like if we're going to go in this very simple platform direction, we should just make it a really simple you know exploration based uh, and just base it around the kind of thing that ants does. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that it worked out amazingly. Exactly, and then same with KATB. We kind of had that idea for a lot of different assets and everything, but then once we put together all the elements just sort of focusing in on honing in on those aspects sort of fit it really yeah, well. Everything else would have felt extraneous. I think you know, so. The, the, I like know, the moon. <laughs> yeah. The moon is, the moon is like, that is one example of sort of a kissable that we were going to do. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, like when we started playing around with just what we had, you know, we didn't even have kissable boys yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't even have those until like Thursday of last week. I don't think yeah. <laughs> those came pretty late in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we were just like playing around with the character and feeling how they felt in the world and like play, you know, with inter- the wind. Pl- interacting with the wind, it's like, you know, this feels good on its own. I don't think that it needs all of this extra humor or cute things to, to you know, to, to be a full experience. We could probably mm-hmm. just put in the boys and revolve the whole puzzle around that. Mm hmm. Because it is a puzzle. There's a bit of challenge to it. Watching um, my brother and Anna mm-hmm. play it and seeing them kind of try to figure out the shape of the world and getting caught up in a few places and also where the design kind of subtly leads them yeah. towards where they need to go is really satisfying. Yeah. There's, so there's, was, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of, like, 
we don't tell you where to go. The map mm-hmm. just guides you. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah, a kind I, of a shape and an order to it, but also I saw them deviate from that order. Yeah, you don't have to ways, do it in that order. Which are really nice. So I thought that was satisfying. What were you going to say, Reet? Yeah, I definitely noticed the kind of flow it guides mm-hmm. you along. And even oh, though, yeah. like, you say, oh, it's only a 10-minute game, but, like, my first time playing it, that map felt huge and overwhelming, so it's probably good that it's not actually that big. Yeah, if it were any bigger, I think it would have needed either some more design, more visual elements. Or some, and, yeah, um, some landmarks. Yeah. Some landmarks. Yeah. Because when and, I was uh, in that very bottom area, I'm like, I'm so deep down, I don't know where I am, I'm lost, I need to kiss more boys. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds wonderful. And I really like, I've mentioned this to both of you, but I really like how there's just that one boy on the cliff at the very right of the start. Mm-hmm. So when I saw that, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get a double jump and I'll come back here. And then, you know, you start falling down and you find the wind and you go through the whole thing. And then I've got nine, so there's only one left. And I just have that moment of like, oh, I know where the last one is. And I know I just have to go back there and make sure the wind is turned on. Perfect. Like, it's just, yeah. it, it all yeah. came full circle, like... I, I don't. I don't mean to pat us on the back, but we <laughs> we did a bang up job. That was it pretty was, fabulous. It was a really cool moment of being like, oh, like I have mentally solved this before I actually reached it. Mm-hmm. And, and um, then, William had that exact experience at the end, like, oh, cool. And Anna actually missed the first one where you fall down the hole. Oh. And you know what I did? I what? after pl- watching her play it, I shifted those that hole to the left one, Smart. and then. So that if you just walk right, then you just don't, and you—it's much harder to miss the first boy. That's smart. That's smart. Yeah. Which freaked her out because she got to the end and she kissed the last boy, and she's like, "I don't know where the last one is." Oh, oh my god! It could be anywhere. Oh. So, so I think yeah. as it yeah. is now, you'll see pretty much everybody on your way there. So yeah, that was an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's definitely affected me in a way that I'm going to do it again. But I'm going to take you know maybe a month or two break from you know. <laughs> yeah. game. I want to play more video games. Yeah, play, yeah. I've been trying to play Zelda every second for. Like, well, it, as it month. turns out, I I actually did. I played a shit ton of games. Oh, cool. Go Tell us about yeah, it. Yeah, uh, I'll only touch on a few of them very briefly because I know most of you either don't give a crap or haven't played them or they're not, you know, there's not enough or I haven't played them long enough to actually conversate about them. But um, uh, the first thing that I will bring up is that I finished a little game called Light yesterday. Um, it's what I like to call a Soliton radar system simulator. <laughs> <laughs> It's literally that because you're just a little box, cool. you know, it's an overhead stealth based game and you're just, you know, these little, everything, you know, every other interactable in the game is just little cubes and they've got cones of vision and you're, you've got to stay out of those cones of vision. And, you know, there are minor little, uh, objectives along the way, like steal this or hack that. And it's got like a simple little hacking mini game where you hack into a thing and it's mostly just to get yourself around the levels. You know, they're structured like blueprints from overhead. Mm-hmm. So, um, the, that game was fun, uh, but it is super short. Um, it, it, there are only 12 missions and, uh, I completed it in about an hour. I, mean, I felt really bad for the person that got it for me because they paid thirteen bucks for it. Oh my god! Yeah, what? yeah, it did look. It does look a little expensive for that length. That game is an a, hour. Yeah, I got <laughs> an hour out of it. Jesus. Hmm. 
Um, I started playing East 2. Oh, I just wanted to say um, that's kind of like the big pro- big idea in like the first couple of Metal Gear Solid games is like there's no reason to not just look at the radar the whole game because it tells oh, you everything you need to know yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah you, you can play through Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2 easily by just looking at the radar. Same I mean, with Metal Gear 2 and Metal Gear Ghost Babble. Yeah. That's that's a lot of games, honestly, where you can just look at the minimap. Yeah. Final yeah. Fantasy X, yeah. yeah. Burnout Paradise. Yeah. 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 And that's always kind of disappointing, so it makes sense just to expand that abstract visual out. So, yeah, I... Uh, uh, I, did, I took Rhett's advice, and I picked up playing East 2 uh, last night. I got about Ooh. two and a half hours or so into it last night. I'm in the, the ice area. Um, and that game is just leaps and bounds better than the first one, just in that short amount of time. Uh, you're given a project, you know, you're given projectile weapon this time around, so it really kind of helps make the boss fights feel not crappy. Yeah, they're actual bosses now instead of just junk <laughs> ah, boss fights and these are easy go fuck yourself just you know, take the largest object you have in your house right now and go fuck <laughs> yourself with it so yeah uh, i'll I talk i'll talk around now there's a lot of objects i will talk more about east 2 once uh i've finished it uh, i didn't really want to try and you know talk yeah. about a game that i haven't spent a lot of time with yet um this won't be the last time we bring up ease on the podcast either. <laughs> no, it won't. Spoiler alert. Um, I also picked up uh, there was a there was a shmup bundle uh, last Ooh. week, um, and uh, I only bought it uh, for the game that I'm going to mention. It's called uh, Crimson Clover World Ignition, and holy crap, this has got to be one of the craziest shooters I think I've ever played in terms of. Holy shit, the design is really well done. It's it's designed by a super player um, who knows this genre very well. And cool. you, you can definitely see a lot of influence from the games he likes. You know, like uh, Pachi, Battle Garega. Um, there's some Toho influence in there in terms yeah. of bullet patterns. But... Uh, the game gives you just a crazy amount of power so that, you know, even though you're like one little ship destroying like hundreds of thousands of enemy ships in a span of 30 seconds, you're given so much freaking power um, that, you know, the game is designed mostly around your ability to dodge shit. Uh, so, so the fact that you can have lasers that literally cover the entire screen and, you know, destroy a lot of things on impact, there's still a lot of uh, deep mechanics involved in bullet canceling and, you know, learning, learning the patterns, uh, learning how to, you know, like, properly, like, wait to use your big burst of energy. Um, it, it's just, it's a game that feels oddly satisfying for what it is, because I, I, because every time you press the break button, which is, that's the button you press to go into your super awesome mode, it's just there, it's designed in a way, I don't know whether it's just the visuals and the sound that make it so, or it's the act, or just a combination of all of them, but it's just, you press the break button and you feel like a badass, and then there's a double break, and you can break again in the same break, <laughs> and it's just like, oh my god, this is the best fucking release I've ever had playing a video game. It just feels <laughs> so good, and like everything is exploding, like all of the power ups are just being sucked into your vessel like a thousand at a time. It looks ridiculous. 
but yeah, that, that it's it's just remarkably well designed. I haven't even completed it yet, but I know that it's definitely something that I I, I know I want to get better at. I know I want to have some degree of mastery over um, by the time I'm uh, through playing that. And Rhett, you, you need to get on that Crimson. Yeah, Cl- I was gonna cool. say that sounds the trailer looks good. nuts. Uh, Crimson, oh my god! Yeah, Crimson Clover World Ignition. It is the shit. Play it. It's great. Um, so, um, I finished Shovel Knight. Cool. Shovel Knight is amazing. Um, yep. I, I, I have not played, like, uh, as satisfying a quote-unquote retro game in a very long time. Uh, that game is so smart in ways that y- you don't even realize until you're playing it through again on New Game Plus. Because the, 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 the enemy designs are smart. The levels are made to be, there are de- you know it's definitely a throwback to Mega Man, because the way the levels are structured is there's like you know, they're by screens and you're going to be going up or down ladders a lot of the time and it's going to stop and do that scroll up you know it, it's got a lot of weird throwback to it but I, I think this game is probably way smarter uh, and way better put together than than a lot of uh, retro style games. Uh, and it's just, it has a lot to do with just, like, your simple mechanics. You know, you're shoveling. That's it. You don't get powers from the bosses you beat. There are relics you can find that help you. Um, but you don't get anything from defeating the bosses. But, like, the bosses in, the, in and of themselves, even though they can be cheesed fairly easily with uh, the fireball, unfortunately, uh, I found myself way more invested in wanting to figure out their patterns and to fight them in a more direct way uh, than, you know, just going at them with fireballs or phase-locketing through all of their attacks. Um, but yeah, holy shit, that game is wonderful. Um, so how long is it? Uh, I, f- uh, I finished my first playthrough and my clock was at about six and a half hours. Yeah, that sounds about right. There are about oh. I, I want to say there's something in the in, in the vein of like sixteen to eighteen stages total. Um, okay, for some reason I thought people were taking like twelve hours to beat it, and I'm like, that <laughs> seems pretty long for a throwback game. No, yeah. it's 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 not that long. No, yeah, it's uh, long, but it's not it it feels appropriate. And yeah. and, and I've got to say, like the the ending sequence uh, with the final bosses and everything, so well done, uh, and the, like the ending credits, the ending stinger, everything about that game, just wonderful. Should play Shovel Knight. Yeah, I. That's basically a game where I, I ha- I really really like Shovel Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like everything about that game at like a conceptual and structural level is basically perfect. Yeah, the, it's it's so well designed and put together. There's a lot mm. of there's a lot of thought, you know. Just you can tell that the levels were not haphazardly put together. They were put together with a purpose to teach mm-hmm. the player as you play. There's never a moment where you have to stop and take a tutorial, or there's never a moment where you're going to walk into a situation and ask yourself, "What do I need to do?" Because the game is already telling you what to do. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not doing it with text boxes. It's not trying to hold your hand. It's just here. Here's the piece that you're going to be dealing with. All right, there you go. Now deal with this other piece with these other pieces. Uh, and it just it puts everything together. Just so smart. You know, the only real problem with the game is that it lacks balance. Like I said, mm-hmm. the the magic is way overpowered. Um, 
I really like that relic that lets you um, kind of air dash with the sword. Yeah, the fencing yeah, sword. Yeah, I it, use that on a lot of the bosses. It's it has a lot of really cool uses. It's re- you could really utilize it a lot for a lot of the platforming challenges too. But they oh yeah, it, they, I had a base equip basically for the second half of the game. They they give it to you pretty late though, so you can't really like cheese it too bad your first time through. Yeah. But, but you get the fireball the right really, out of the there's game. There's a really cool there's a really cool moment where I, I figured out a way where. Like, I had to really nail it, but I could beat the final boss in, like, ten seconds by staying in the air using that. Yep. And it's designed so that it's not trivial to pull that off, so I don't really think it's cheesing. No. But um, it was a really cool moment to just kind of figure out that aspect of it. Yeah, that that, that game, oh, God. I, I, yeah. I could sit I could here and heap praise upon it, you know, for another hour if you wanted me to, <laughs> but... <laughs> I know that we've all got things to do tomorrow, so I, I will refrain so, from doing so. Would you call it game of the year? I'm going to reserve judgment on, mm-hmm. on, on on something like that right now. Yeah, I have some kind of complicated feelings, but um, maybe we can save that for yeah when we're talking about game of the year. Yeah, yeah, that'll definitely be a thing at the end of the year. Uh, mm-hmm. Sho- Shovel Knight's definitely going to be talked about. Uh, I will mm-hmm. say that much. I don't know if it is game game of the year, but I do know that if you know I were to compose a top ten list of games that I've played right now, it would be pretty far up that list. Mm-hmm. Um, Radical. Uh, I, I we talked about this one uh, last episode during our Contra podcast. Um, uh, Super Cyborg. I finished that twice. I finished it on normal, and then I finished cool. it on easy. Um, that game uh, kind of falls apart. Uh, oh, in, really? Uh, uh, the <laughs> oh, la- in the the last two or three stages, that game really falls apart uh, because it starts demanding a lot of pixel based precision, uh, and it just it started to get really unfun. Uh, it wasn't like I, you know, it's like I know what I have to do, game, but you're not really giving me any breathing room to do it. So, what kind of pixel perfect like just wide jumps or something oh no 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 it's it's a lot of enemy attacks that you have to stand in between oh uh like the last boss especially like everything about the last boss is literally it feels almost like you need to be pixel perfect there's like uh the level six boss um it's an overhead stage and um the, the boss's last attack pattern is that it shoots a, sort of a schmuppy bullet pattern at you, it's a, but it alternates in firing two and three shots at once. Um, and you have to stand between, you know, the bullets in order to survive the attack. And it feels like your character overhead is, let's say, 32 pixels. Uh, 32 pixels wide. Uh, and it feels like the gap between those bullets is exactly 32 pixels wide. <laughs> Jesus. And I, yeah. I, like, like, the only way I've ever been able to beat that boss is by having enough lives to brute force my way through that attack. And, oh, it just really... Yeah, the end of that game, it's 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 a spectacle. Um, and I, I think that the level design is actually really good. Uh, and it does a lot of t- smart things that, you know, it still feels like Contra, but it's a fun twist on ideas that Contras might have had or they've never had. Uh, but the difficulty uh, is just it gets to such an extreme that I, I wasn't enjoying myself by the end. I, I wasn't I, I didn't feel like I was being asked fair questions, I guess, uh, with, yeah. what, with what the game was asking me to do. Um, it's so good. is it is it better on easy? 
I, I think that on easy, it feels more comparable to a normal Contra game. Uh, so I would say that easy and Super Cyborg would be normal in any other Contra game. Gotcha. Like, do the bosses change? Like, is it giving you more space to dodge stuff? It feels like it, yes. Uh, they're definitely less, like, they're, there's more time between attacks so that, like, the spaces that you have to get into aren't quite as tough. Uh, the, the last three levels of that game, though, uh, they're still pretty rough. Uh, they will mess you up pretty bad, uh, e- you know, even if you're a seasoned Contra player. Uh, uh, I-, I think that a lot of it has to do, though, with the fact that th- the game only had uh, three people on its development team, and only one of them was actually actively working on it, uh, and, mm. and, only one, and only one other person other than the creator tested it. So, <laughs> so, so I think it's really... You know, if that game had had a little more input, I don't think that these problems would have happened. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that those last because uh, I think like the first three stages that he did were released for free while he was working on it, and he you know got a lot of feedback on those stages. Uh, was able to go back and tweak some things, and those first three stages are really good. That um, you 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 start getting to the back half of the game, and you know there wasn't that well of feedback to dwell yeah, to, to pull yeah. from and it definitely is worse for it um it's a great game and you know I, I still had a lot of fun with it even though you know my last opinion on it is sort of like uh just it just kind of lost me in the end that's uh, too bad i still think it's you know a, a damn good contra send up uh the guy definitely knows the series well uh and what it takes to make a game that feels that good um just needed a little more polish behind it. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to make a game that's too hard. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Right? Definitely, yeah. definitely. If you're making a game like that, then if you're not getting voices in the whole time, you can just make it really hard and just not be able to notice it. Yeah, if you're the only one playtesting your very hard game, you know, you're going to be able to beat your very hard game, but a, <laughs> you know, a significant portion of your audience probably won't be. Mm-hmm. Mm. I found that generally in that kind of thing, I've never made it easier and regretted it. Yeah, I think I think I've I always <laughs> Okay, I've always erred on the side of it being kind of too hard and I think yeah, generally it's probably better just to side with easy if you're (laughs) questioning it so yeah that's what i've been up to so uh as usual every podcast i also have to turn to my good friend rhett hey rhett hi how are you doing again you you, are you good i'm doing wonderful oh great (laughs) good i wasn't sure just making sure you're not falling asleep over there not like momi (laughs) so you know what i've got to ask you so, how's early access doing? It's doing poorly. Oh, uh, so, okay. Well wait, then, no, moving no, it, no, don't don't move on. Wait, what? I thought now that that was, was wait. I thought that was the point of this segment. <laughs> is that I ask you how early access is doing? You say it's stupid, and we move on. Now this is a bit of a joke uh, of a segment, but there's actual early access news to discuss this week. Oh dear. And I feel it's important because it just shows what a joke this service is. Regale us! The game The Stomping Land has been pulled from Steam. I don't so really see was... that. I don't see that as any big loss, but... <laughs> Maybe not a dinosaurs. loss, except for the people that bought it. All right, were... <laughs> all right. There are people behind these early access scams. Yeah. 
there's money changing hands. That's why it's evil if something goes wrong. Did, so wait, this was... Did Momi play this? No. Okay, I wasn't sure. Yeah, everybody just it. knows this as the dinosaur game. Yeah. yeah. This was one of those open-world survival crafting. Tell me if you've heard this one before. Yeah, basically Only every new game. Work. Just as Minecraft stuff, but without Earth. any of the creativity thing. More Daisy, I think. Just, like, about killing other players and surviving. Oh, yeah. But no, this one had dinosaurs. It is an undercurrent. Instead of yeah. zombies? Yeah, so this one had dinosaurs instead of zombies, whatever. Apparently, it actually never got updated after... It went on early access earlier in the summer. Oh, gee, so imagine I, that. So, so, like, developers probably abandoned it as of, like, July or August, so now it's finally been pulled off of Steam, and people are asking for refunds. Are they getting them? I don't know. I should, probably should have researched that. I think they might. But, and apparently this comes off of, this game was a kickstarted as well. Oh, geez. So it's it's two of your favorite things. Yay! It's like they took the Kickstarter money, made the very bare bones thing that they put on Steam, and then just ran away. Uh, yeah, while still getting that Steam money. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Apparently, somebody found out that like their PR their PR manager was a hired temp, and his contract ran out in like the start of July. Oh, jeez. So they haven't been working on it for a very long time, apparently. Jeez. So I think Steam needs to not <laughs> maybe want to vet these guys a little more. Because, you know, there's one company you can trust to finish a game, mm-hmm. and that's Double Fine. Oh, of course, my favorite company that always favorite. finish that always finishes their games with uh, under modest budgets, of course. Yeah, so in other early access news, Double Fine has announced that, oh, Space Base DF9 is now finished. Oh, wait, didn't that just launch, like, three or four months ago? That launched, ex- I think it's been more than... Might have been almost a year now, but it launched extremely early alpha. People were saying there's like nothing to do in this game, and they've had four people toiling away on it for like a year or who knows how long. But anyways, they decided it wasn't making enough money, which makes sense because it wasn't finished, so people weren't buying it. And now, game's done. We're moving on. So they're just released. They're 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 covering their ass and just saying that it's a finished game. Even there, though there's barely yeah. anything in it. I think it has gotten updates. I mean, obviously, it's not as complete as people wanted it to be, because even well, Double Fine is saying... Their feature list for things that they were going to implement when this game was first announced was a mile and a half long. Yeah, so apparently people have been researching that, and Double Fine actually took that offline a little while ago, when they probably realized they were going to have to cut and run. I about think... Half- I about think the half sh- of that stuff is the in the shitty game. thing. The shitty thing I think about this move is that a week before they fucking announced this, the goddamn game was on sale for half off. Yeah, and then Tim responded to that saying, "Like, oh, Steam sales happen all the time, even though they knew at that point they were planning on cutting." Development. Yeah, go fuck yourself, Tim Schafer. Seriously, <laughs> it's just like Double Fine has not had a great history with these crowdfunding things like so like people will ask him on twitter all the time where's the money gone where what did you do with the 3.3 million dollars and like he'll give them detailed breakdowns but one of those things is that they pay their employees like ten thousand dollars a month because they're in san francisco and san francisco is just a fucking expensive place to live yeah so i just feel double fine 
is too bloated. Like they're indie in the fact that they're independent, but like they are not lean and efficient like pretty much every other in indie company. Yeah, they're, they're, like, as, they're as bloated and fat as any AAA. I mean, when they're working on like five games at once, because they had Broken Age is still being worked on, Space Base was being worked on, they had Hack and Slash, they have Costume Quest 2 coming out. Massive Chalice. They probably Ma- just Chalice, make all those games, The right? Grim Fandango I'm... remake. Like, they got six projects or whatever there. It's like... It's, like you, you don't, the solution these, probably isn't to like pay employees less in the game industry, but it's probably just to make fewer games. Yeah, and, and I think that that's just Tim Schafer's ambition, you know? Um, I, I like to think of him as sort of a different kind of Peter Molyneux. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely in there. I, I had them mixed up for a long time. I thought Peter Molyneux was the guy who did Psychonauts. Well, like I said, I think that they're comparable in a lot of ways that a lot of what they say is bullshit. And their and their and, and their ambitions are far bigger, you know, than what they can produce. We're going to have a thousand kissable items, kissable entities. On yeah, the see, we we avoided th- that, thankfully. I, I think that's what he does, though. Where he's just he wants the big, massive project, and he d- every child will have a unique reaction to being kissed. Hasn't learned to scale this stuff down. Like even watching the Broken Age documentary, where they're like, "We're gonna have to make this game smaller," and he's like, "No, we'll cut it into half and make the second half later." Like, grand. Like you've seen firsthand, the games can take a while to make. Yeah. So, it's just sad when he's been in the industry this long, and then you get two years to make a three-hour-long adventure game. Like, he's still like at that scale. Screens? I don't really know. Huh? No, how big are the, each of the the areas weren't that big either, were they? They were. I pretty feel small, bad. Yeah. Like I feel bad. Like second guessing developers on like how much money and time they need. It just does seem like there's. I know there has here. there has been a lot of talk about like with the Skullgirls crowdfunding thing of like people don't realize how expensive games are to make. Exactly. I, I don't want to come across like that. I just it does seem like, and I just don't play any of these games, so it doesn't really affect me either way, but it just does seem like, it just seems like a lot of money for an adventure game. Yeah. Cause you watch the documentary and like Polly said, celebrity voices and just the level of visual quality they have to try to cram into this thing seems counterproductive to getting it done in any reasonable amount of time. And that game could still exist without celebrity voices or that kind of visual fidelity. Yeah. Like, and I mean, specifically with that one, like people thought it was going to be this old school adventure game, and then they get yeah, they they went. I, and I get, want it to look like a living painting. Like, oh my god, you're because originally, like the Double Fine Kickstarter was like for four hundred k, I think was this goal, and then as soon as it turned into three million that they got, he completely changed the scope of the game. Mm-hmm. Like, and now it's taking and, five years or whatever. It's still not done. <laughs> yeah, if it's going to take like five years to make, like. It won't be five years. But, it won't be five yeah. years, but it's definitely going to hit the two or three year mark. Yeah, it's but if the game is taking that long, then maybe you need to rethink things a bit. Unless you're Pixel, yeah. Then that's the thing is when you're paying people every month, like time is kind of of the essence. Yeah. But we've gone pretty off track here. This was about early access and space space DF nine. And early access la- isn't good. I'm pretty okay with this being the fuck double fine hour portion <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> but the thing I want to say about Space Space is that there's definitely a paradigm shift kind of in games now where 
games used to be done when they were released. Right. And now you've got stuff like Minecraft and uh, what is the other one? Don't Starve or you know any of these games that get continual updates and developments where the game is never really done. And that does seem like the plan Double Fine had for Space Base where they had like five years worth of stuff they wanted to add planned. So, so Momi, I know that you buy um, early access games quite a bit. Sort of. Um, how, how has your experience been in that in the games that you've chosen to get behind um, in terms of them being early access? Uh, some of them are sort of uh, sort of gut purchases, like, oh, this looks all right, and then it's kind of bare bones. Mm-hmm. Others, like uh, Clockwork Empires, is by the same guy, people who did... Uh, Dungeons and Dreadmores, so I bought it just so that I could have it when it's finished. Mm-hmm. But I mean... <sighs> Do you feel like you've gotten burned by anybody at this point? Not really. I just feel like I'm just sort of sitting here waiting on the game to get finished. And you look at that, yeah. that your payment is kind of like an investment toward that game's future. Yeah. Oh, I bought um, Joy Lancer, which was Tron Maximum's work. He's the guy that hosted Indie Three originally, mm-hmm. and um, and um, I really that that looks interesting. I only played a little bit of it, but I just I'm kind of pulled back, and now I'm waiting for him to kind of finish. It. I'm just watching him on Twitter because he's interesting. Otherwise, I think the so only I'm- game that I've bought on early access was Don't Starve. Um, and that was just because, you know, like Momi with the Dungeons and Dreadmore, Dungeons of Dreadmore developer, you know, I was really into what Clay was doing with Mark of the Ninja and hoped that, you know, hey, I'm going to throw this money at these guys for them to make another really cool game for me to enjoy. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. like, I-, I think that that game's panned out very well. They've added a lot of stuff. I'm not sure that if it's still in early access or not. I don't think it is because it's on PlayStation now. Yeah. Like, so, so, I know, so I know it's not going to be developed, uh, you know, in perpetuity. But uh, you know, it just wasn't my kind of game. But I also you know. have uh, done a Kickstarter game, Darkest Dungeon, because it's uh, gritty, atmospheric, roguelike. So I'm just like, yes, I want this. <laughs> yeah. this Roguelikes are yeah. a good fit, I feel like, because they you can just keep adding stuff and it'll work out okay. Right. They, 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 the incremental design suits that sort of game. Yeah, as long as the base is there when you release it. Yeah, as long as it's fun when it starts out. Like Nuclear, Nuclear Throne is the only other uh, game that I'm really considering throwing down uh, on early access for because I really mm-hmm. like what I've seen of it so far. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I bought Minecraft and Alpha, and I played that game for about a year on and off, and I really enjoyed seeing it kind of develop as it went along and seeing the visuals develop and then it get adding more features and stuff. And then I played it like recently, and they've... It's so much stuff, it almost feels like it's kind of hurt the simple core of that game, or it just feels like now there's just a bunch of bullshit on top of what was good about it. <laughs> yeah, so, and like sort there's of magic a scrolls and experience points yeah. in it I now. I sort of hit a point where I don't even know what's in vanilla Minecraft anymore, because <laughs> I play usually mods. Uh-huh. Like I said, I don't play. I haven't played it in ages, yeah. but I, I had a good yeah. time with that. Well, it's funny. Minecraft comes up. Oh, can we go back oh, a little yeah. bit? Sure. Yeah. Sorry. I just think it's weird where Double Fine was essentially expecting the early access sales to to fund Space Space DF9 when, and you know, for multiple years when 
there's just this some consumers are just like I'm not going to buy early access games just sell it, sell it to me when it's done yeah that and seems like a really shitty way to go about trying to develop your game is you know when I would say a good 80% 90% of people aren't going to pay for an incomplete game it, but it, it's, it's also like there wasn't a plan for it to ever be quote unquote done right like it was just, just going to be updated as long as people kept buying it. Yeah, it's but this five-year so plan weird. they kept talking about. <laughs> and it's just like you need – I think companies are going to have to do a much better job communicating that to the player base or the purchasers in the future. Like there is no end game for this right now. It's going to stay in early access as long as it keeps making money or something like that. Yeah. Like it will not be finished until – we run out of money, apparently. Because then you'll have a reason to jump on. Because it's, it's not just going to be done soon. I don't know. Really like, it's just, it's a weird... Really like a Clockwork Empires, because uh, the patch updates are really good. Mm-hmm. It's funny. There's yeah, I think it, it's puns and stuff. Even, mm-hmm. even on the store page, if you look at the uh, system requirements... <laughs> So so so, how are they about keeping uh, that updated? Is it is it coming They're along? Good. At, is it coming along yeah. at a pretty good clip? Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. I just would really. It just feels like there's a specific kind of early access game that's just really cliche, and that's just like the zombie survival, survival yeah. crafting yeah. system early access game on Steam. <laughs> yeah, and I mean it can like, be. Fun William, to my have. brother showed me the forest. And yeah, it was that. It was yeah. a crafting system zombies in a forest survival game and it just like i can't care about yeah. that i think stomping land in the forest came out like within the same week of each other yeah. and i just couldn't tell oh. the difference yeah except one had dinosaurs <laughs> the other had zombies in all but name and some weird oh yeah gross guys or sexist whatever. imagery <laughs> yeah i just i just don't know about early access like it's just weird when you're selling the unfinished game, but then you expect people to buy the unfinished game to fund a more finished game. And then when mm-hmm. people stop buying it, you cut development. It's like this catch-22 that nobody wins out of unless you're mm-hmm. Minecraft. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it doesn't really work for like games with any sort of narrative. Well, I think it almost works better for a traditional game where it's like, hey, the first three levels are done. The next three okay. levels will be coming later. Like It's very cut and dry that, that there is a finished endpoint in mind. So with all the talk of Minecraft, like I tried to say earlier... <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, apparently there's been some kind of big new Minecraft news. I don't know. I don't play Minecraft. I play real video games. What's, what's, the, what's this Minecraft hullabaloo going on, Rhett? So Microsoft bought the creators for $2.5 billion. That's a lot of billion That's of a, dollars. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of fucking money for a oh, video God. game company that has made one game. Wow. Did they make scrolls? Did Scrolls exist? Uh, Did that ever come out? I think Scrolls exists in source code now, and that's about it. What? I don't think, I don't think they're buying it for that. I don't uh, think they're buying it for Scrolls. Uh, and, I don't, and, I, and I don't think 10XC is coming out either. Oh, that was canceled a long time ago, yeah. actually. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. yeah so, I think they're buying this so that the kindergarten class full of five-year-olds who know what Minecraft is, and then the entire elementary school that knows what Minecraft is, I think they're buying it for that. 
yeah, this is a this is a purchase that is bigger than the Xbox division. Like this is a big long term. Yeah, this is an investment. Forever. Yeah, this is an investment in like a fucking culture, essentially. Yeah, it Basically. is the new Lego. Uh huh. Which is, you know, a, a pretty huge compliment. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think. I, I think it is. It will be interesting to see if they, if the Xbox division is like, hey, can we get an exclusive? And the rest of Microsoft is just like, fuck no, we're putting it on phones because that's where the money is. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I know that it, Phil Spencer. There... Phil Spencer did that big video where you know he even uttered the word PlayStation. You know about that them. Was... <laughs> about them wanting to, you know, make sure that everybody's still going to have access to Minecraft. But I really wonder, like, okay, I really, yeah, it's like in terms of keeping everybody else updated, how are you going to be? Or you know, we know that if there is a Minecraft two, if there is, I don't know how they would even go how about doing do something like that. Yeah, but if there is a Minecraft two or anything like you know, super awesome new edition, which you know. What 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 are you going to do with that? Are you going to try to lock that onto one thing? Because the, the Xbox install base is not big enough to support a two point five billion dollar acquisition. Yeah, but what if one. they did? If they did, they'd be the stupidest motherfuckers ever. It's but just if they, it's like if they did, they'd kill PlayStation in like a week. I don't think that they would kill PlayStation. I think it that would, it would definitely be. Uh, a huge game changer. It would be a game changer, and it would make a dent. But I, I, I don't think that it would, you know, go as far as destroying Sony in any way. I think that there's still. Whatever. I think maybe the audience that would be interested in Minecraft wouldn't even care for other games. So yeah, maybe it wouldn't matter much. It, it, it just, I don't think that. Like, I think you've got gaming, and then you've got Minecraft. Minecraft <laughs> is a phenomenon. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's not a video game. No, 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 no. I, I'm not going to say that. I, it's a phenomenon. It is entirely different from what quote-unquote gaming is usually classified as. So while yeah. it might be a game, it's its own little subculture that just happens to transcend the medium a bit more mm-hmm. than most. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Minecraft means seen. something to more people than Legend of Zelda does, like, yeah. easily. At this point, definitely. You know, it definitely yeah. has sparked a new generation of, you know, people that play games or people that only play Minecraft. I'm glad Notch mm-hmm. is, is still doing, like, uh, Ludum Dares and stuff like Damn that. Damn games. Yeah, that's cool. That was the coolest yeah. part. That, yeah, made... that was that was definitely the most exciting part is that he's not so broken from this experience that he wants to be away from programming entirely. He still wants to do stuff. It's just mm-hmm. if it gets too big, he's going to put the kibosh on it real fast. I thought that was, a, I thought that was cute. was like, if anything starts getting traction, I'm going to drop it immediately. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's understandable. But thing, mm-hmm. I just can't even conceive that, though, where he just sold his company for $2.5 billion, <laughs> and in his goodbye post, he mentions these free indie game jams. Like, I know. Like, it's got hella cash. Let's humble. fix them. It, it's like, game jams. He it, has billions of dollars, and he's thinking of Ludum Dare. It speaks. To, it speaks. You know, it speaks to him as a person that you know that's really what he wants to get back uh-huh. to doing. I think that's yeah. really that's really one of the best things that came out of it was you know you've got who was clearly a brilliant mind, you know, still looking to stay in games and do and, mm-hmm. and operate on a level that it is not at this. Like I can't even imagine how uncomfortable that position had to be. I mean, I, none of us can. None of us have ever no. created, yeah. you know, a multi-billion-dollar organization. Phenomenon. Essentially, you know, we yeah. haven't influenced a culture. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like a 
even bigger scale of the Flappy Bird thing from earlier this exactly. year. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That yeah. guy just broke and had to run away for a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Flappy Bird lasted for three weeks. This has lasted for like years and years. This will continue to last. Yeah. For years and years. That $2.5 billion ensures it will last for years yeah, and it's, years. It's like, despite anything else Notch does at this point, Minecraft is the is his legacy. That, uh-huh. is, what, that is what he is known for. Um, it's mm-hmm. his baby. And it's yeah. going on without him now. Yeah. Yeah. And he couldn't be happier, and I'm happy for the guy. He just did you know, Even just reading it, you can't hear a tone of voice, but you could just feel an air of release from just knowing that he won't have to deal with that anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd be really interested in seeing if he puts any that money towards, like, sponsoring some Ludum Darius stuff, like... I fully just, expect that that's what he will do. I fully expect him to be, you know, sort of a... You know, a gaming philanthropist in a way of you know, yeah, that, that's helping kind of you know for. helping smaller startups get started. Or oh, so you mean smaller startups like Double Fine? Oh yeah, of course. He's going to fund Psychonauts too now, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I bet he will after that. Yeah. After <laughs> it's a fun. Oh my god, he could fund Broken Age like like a hunt a thousand times, right? <laughs> a thousand times over. I don't know. You've got Tim Schafer Ooh. driving, so it would probably only fund it twice. <laughs> you give him three. You give him a billion dollars, and he'll stretch it out. <laughs> it's like, well, now it's four hours long. It's like it's four hours long, and this is only the first half. And Obama does a lot of the voices. <laughs> <laughs> For context, I remember. Like a year or two ago, Tim was at, or Notch was talking to Tim about actually funding Psychonauts too, and he oh, told him yeah. it would be like twenty million dollars. Oh, I thought he was it. I guess it was twenty. He uh, he yeah. said that he, he he offered something along the lines of two million, and Tim told him it would be more like twenty million. Oh my god! And then he backed I mean, out. That's realistic for that's big realistic scope for game. that's realistic for a big scope game, but it is not realistic for a big scope Tim Schafer game because we'll never know the kind of oh. money that got thrown into Brutal Legend. Oh god, god, yeah! I saw something that apparently Darksiders Two cost fifty million. I'm like, what the fuck, are you guys doing? <laughs> <sighs> that's that's the, that's the like same money they got put into too. Star Citizen, right? Hmm. Oh god, Star Citizen is yeah, that's insane just, right now. Yeah. So Minecraft is great, yada, yada, yada. But I don't think that that in any way compares to the awesome news I have. What would you guys, what? What would you guys say <laughs> if I told you that everybody's favorite game, Final Fantasy XIII, is coming to Steam? You know, I could oh, go I, down the hallway it, on PC? Yes! Yes! yes. Finally! Can we listen oh, to people tell each other variations of, we need to get going. Yes, over and over. All again? of that, all of that, and the black man with the uh, bird in his hair too. He will Can be we move there. A node along a line in the crystarium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In this special HD edition of Final Fantasy Thirteen on Steam, the dampness is even more damp. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! What about the references to old Final Fantasy games? Will we have those still? Not so many. No. Oh, there man, aren't a lot of those. But don't worry. The two sequels are coming as well. Yes. Oh yes. <gasps> the entire oh, the entire thirteen trilogy will soon be yours. Didn't on that series Steam. just kind of trilogy just kind of get better as it went along? I don't know. People, I mean, I, I don't I've think it ever really it got is. good, but it I depends it on better. it depends on what you mean by good, I guess. 
Okay. I've heard incredibly mixed opinions to where I just don't even know. Some people love two, some people hate it, some people think thirteen is the best. It's it's divisive to say the least. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, the important thing is that Lightning Returns is, sounds cool, except that it's like forty hours long. And <laughs> the important <laughs> the important thing is is Ooh. that is that Lightning's in it, and that's important because she's my yes. waifu. She oh. is. God, you have shitty taste. You know what? <sighs> you know you know what you know what else has shitty taste. John's asshole. Go lick it. Oh. Wow. Kinky. Um, okay, but, but um, that's not all. That's not all. Nice that's not all. Your favorite Final Fantasy game is on Steam. My favorite Final Fantasy game is on Steam. The DS remake of Final Fantasy IV just fucking... Woo! It popped up out of nowhere. There was never a pre-order. There was never even an announcement. It was just like, hey, it's there. Hey, Go get it. Here. Yeah, it was like, bitches, I'm here. It was like that's just that's crazy. I really liked that remake. I thought that that remake was all right until I got to like the Tower of Babel and an enemy one shotted my entire party, and then I <laughs> and then and then I made it a giveaway uh, as a prize on my website. <laughs> ah, you just need to play better. You know what? Oh. You know, you know who else needs to play better? I don't have any follow-up to that at all. That involves yeah, that involves licking anybody's asshole, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't think they would one up that one no. too soon. No. <laughs> I played I played through the DS remake like twice. I dug dug you really did? augment stuff. I don't I, think I've ever. I beat Zeromus my first try too. It, I don't. I, you just have to play it smart. I don't like, know. Like when something one shots my entire party, I don't think that's my fault. And it was happening consistently, and it felt like the only option I had was to, to just go grind it out. Oh, you can do a little bit of grinding, I guess. It's, it's not the worst thing in the world. I think it's okay. You're wrong. I, You're wrong. I just think it's like a megatonization of Final Fantasy IV. I don't think it's necessarily better. I just think it's a different take on that game's mechanical set. And I think it's kind of interesting as that. I will agree with you to a certain degree. And you think Mega Ten games can be kind of bullshit? Oh, so, definitely. Well, definitely. then that fits then. So, and I kind of enjoy a lot of that bullshit. But so, it's just so it, that, that kind of makes sense. It just gets to a point to where I feel like if something isn't my fault and I couldn't help it and I couldn't ever have seen that happening, I, I think you've done something wrong. <laughs> Were you yeah, running from battles or something to just be a little underleveled? No. Because, I don't know, I played... I didn't have to grind except near the beginning. I think after a certain point, I just kind of was moving along okay. But a lot of the bosses are just way more, like, fleshed out. Like, Golbez is actually a hard fight in that one. Right, I think the, that what they did with the boss fights and those scripts and everything, they're, they're definitely smarter. You definitely have to react more than you did. And, you know, it's not just an enemy throwing Bahamut, rent. You can't reflect, um, you can't reflect Bahamut's attack anymore? Nope. <laughs> You know what, I, I kind of figured out what made the original Final Fantasy IV sort of inter- really interesting, mm-hmm. even though it was pretty sim- simplistic compared to a lot of the later games. Um, tell me if this sounds crazy, but I feel like almost all of the really cool Final Fantasy IV bosses would work really well in a shmup. Yeah. Okay, what? okay. <laughs> like, we're going we're gonna to let that r- fall no, with no, a resounding no. thud. <laughs> Oh, okay. What I mean is that, like, I was playing Subterranean Animism, and I talked to Reed about this, and there's a boss where it cuts, where there's, like, a clone of the boss, and then the regular boss, and 
when you shoot the clone, it generates a whole bunch of attacks at you. Mm-hmm. And then when you shoot the regular boss, it does actual damage. And then they swap places. So you right. have to anticipate the swapping and dodge that. And that feels exactly like a Final Fantasy IV boss, like the Mist Dragon at the beginning, where you have to know that it's about to turn into mist. Stop. Don't jump. Hold back. Then know that. It's all really simple, and it's like a puzzle where once you know the solution, you basically are fine. But I don't think that that's just inherent with shmups, though. I think that the, yeah. you know, you, any game could, any game style could really have like a gimmick or slash puzzle boss. Mm-hmm. But I think Final Fantasy IV was like the first RPG to have any sort of timing thing to it mm-hmm. because it introduced active time battle. Yeah, even if you couldn't really, you know, like you didn't have a gauge to help you along exactly. uh, in the the first versions. Yeah. So just like each of the boss fights in that game feels like this kind of interesting little puzzle to figure out. And I think Chrono Trigger kind of took that um, directly oh, yeah. in another Definitely. way, too. Definitely. And it's different from something like Mega Ten, which is more like you're given a whole bunch of tools and strategies that you can diff- approach it. There's, it's simpler. There's like a couple ways to approach this in Final Fantasy IV. You have a static party, and you just don't defend when it, the bomb bomb's about to explode. And... <laughs> Refl- cast reflect when b- you're fighting Bahamut. They're all just simple puzzles, and it's really, really fun for that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the other games kind of learn from that. I don't think any of the, I don't think six or seven or eight, even though having uh, having a bunch more different tactics you could use, I don't think they captured that same kind of simplistic fun. But getting back to my original point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But this is basically about that. this is basically this basically all comes out of the Tokyo Game Show, uh, where you know it, 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 I think it's just interesting to see uh, Japanese developers uh, taking more to the PC. Yeah, I, I never really thought that you. Yeah, I, I never really thought that you would see uh, Final Fantasy Thirteen on PC. Uh, even though you know they had gone back and done Final Fantasy Seven VII and Eight, I never really thought that that would be you know, like. Okay, let's go back and redo thirteen on PC as well. But well, it, like Final Fantasy seven and eight had PC versions. Yeah, back they had, in the day. Those, those already existed. But you know, like this required you know an all new port job, and it, yeah, this comes out of absolutely nowhere. Yeah, it comes out of nowhere, and you have to wonder really, like, what prompted that? Like, give us your money. <laughs> well, it, but even so, you know. Did the games, like, do bad enough to where they felt they had, you know, to try and put out, you know, cast a wider net to get this kind of, uh, you know, exposure? Or is it, like, we're testing the market because, you know, maybe this is something we want to do in the future? Maybe 15 will launch with a PC release or something. Right. I I mean, they're doing the whole uh, Shinta or whatever Shinra thing. Yeah, the Shinra oh cloud, so funny. the Shinra yeah, so. cloud-based gaming. Like, I'm not even sure so, of the specifics on that. Yeah. Maybe it's sort of testing for that. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Where that's using PC versions of games to stream. I so see. they're figuring like, let's get all our games on PC now, and then so you have the money coming in from the streaming service and the money coming in from them being on Steam for people who want to buy them. Right, people right. Buy them. And hey, you know, like. Hey, more you know, for people that want those games, more power to them. You know, like they're they're, yep. they're get you know the the Japanese market is opening up a bit more, and I think that that can only be a good thing. You know, yep. maybe you know, maybe we'll start seeing quicker releases or something in the future, or simul you know more simultaneous with console releases on the PC now. Uh, you know, thanks to yeah. you know whatever 
you know, whether it was, you know, the launch of, uh, you know, the Shenra cloud-based thing or whatever, you know, or if it was just looking at the trends of consoles in Japan, you know, and them being kind of in the dire straits that they are, um, you know, maybe yeah, I th- think this is like kind of their only option. It's mm-hmm. just, it's money left on the table at this point. You should have put it on where... phones. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, you could play Final Fantasy Thirteen on a phone. <laughs> Not a problem. Just tap that, <laughs> tap that blitz button. Just tap the hell out of that. So, it's just, just, like, just the idea of spending a hundred bucks and hundred and fifty hours in the Final Fantasy Thirteen universe. I don't, well, don't so bewildering. Well, don't worry. PC version's only like fifteen bucks. Yeah, they're okay. pretty, they're pretty cheap. I was they're thinking like thirty, thirty-three or whatever. I didn't know I what mean, it was going to be. Maybe Lightning Returns will be more because it's newer, but they're definitely pricing the first one to be realistic, considering okay. it's like. Well, that's really digital. nice. Or maybe they're pricing it to like hook you, and then hoping I that d- you'll like the first one enough, and then they're like, "Oh, hey, look, they're, you know, ten two or thirteen two is thirty bucks." Oh, people the sure last, love that thirteen. The last thing that game is going to do is hook people, though. I don't know. I it don't takes know. like. 20 hours to get good everyone says i think it's a pretty bad game overall but i there are still things that i enjoyed about it and no, i'm just kidding i just yeah, like you, I, you, I just like lightning yeah you played through a good bit most of it i think and you had a lot of nice things to say at the time so at <laughs> the time at did anybody the, finish that game did um, anybody finish that game i i played five hours of it and then returned it <laughs> that's the first time i did that by the way i was like oh i can do that Next time I did it was Skyward Sword. And I was like, you know, Ooh. I hate this. <gasps> I can just get my money back. Oh, wait, no. I can only get half of my money back. <laughs> <laughs> still, still, but you still ended up ahead at the end, I think. I think I did. But I just think, like, when these companies are spending, you know, $50, $100 million on a game, it's like, are you going to put it on PlayStation, Xbox, or PlayStation, Xbox, and PC? Like... When, the fact that they've ignored the platform for so long when you has look, just baffled me. When you look at game development starting largely on the PC as well, it's kind of like, what are you guys thinking? You know, I mean, I know that there's a lot that goes into porting those games to the consoles that, you know, there are specific protocols or whatever in the hardware that, you know, once you get to a certain point in development, you're using those dev kits. But... <clears throat> For the most part, gaming development starts on PC these days, and yeah. you know if it, you know, I wonder like you know if maybe um, Dark Souls two simultaneous uh, uh, release not not not, not simultaneous in the sense that they came out the same day, but it was being developed yeah. at the same time. Um, they were planning for a PC version. Yeah, I'm wondering well, if that might have had anything to do with it as well. But I think that you know. We'll we'll only know that once we start getting past you know the re-releases. Yeah, I, I kind of hope they re-release some of the backlog. Like, really, I just care about um, Blue Dragon and Lost Odyssey. Not even so much I'm necessarily want to play them, but I'd be considering that. Give me a give me a back catalog release of Einhander. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't think that's at least those likely. are emulated. That's not going to happen. I know, but. Um, yeah. And that, my friends, is when Skype decided it was having absolutely no more of our bullshit. So tune in, hopefully later this week, where we will continue our discussion on roguelikes. The good, the bad, the ugly, and maybe even the sexy. Drop us a line at 
podcast at SocksMakePeopleSexy.net. If you've got a question about anything, we're happy to talk about whatever you want to talk about. We're here for you. And remember, we're the podcast that loves you. We are the only ones that love you.